boom, live, live. Welcome, everyone. We're welcome. here. Welcome to CASA Live. Uh, I know on occasion we have some interwebs struggles, so I'm, I'm hopeful that everything is, is going well, everyone can hear us, see us. Wave if you can see us. Just wave at your computer. <laughs> we'll know. Because we'll know. We can see you, too. Uh, but I hope that uh, I hope that we're doing okay here. I hope that Alex is okay over there. I'm fine. I'm just anyways, some snooze. Oh, okay. Snoozing it up. Yeah. Anyways, um, we'll 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 start with some hey how are yous, uh, just because I like seeing how everyone's doing today. Kristen, hey how are you? Good. <laughs> <laughs> Could you elaborate? <laughs> No, no, I wonder what he would say if I just said good. <laughs> no, we I'm actually more. Feeling like I'm so much. I'm feeling so much better. I feel like I'm accomplishing so much more. Um, had a lot you of work. Feel like a real days. human again. I'm starting to feel like a real human again. That's good. Yeah, yeah. So everything's going. Everything's going really good. Looking forward to having a little bit of a long weekend here. To we're not going to really have people over because that didn't go so well last time. <laughs> Um, we're gonna maybe get some work done around the house. I've been organizing my kitchen and so do some stuff, do some stuff, do some stuff. Do I've stuff. been trying to do some stuff and then I just get tired and I ignore it and I put it off. <laughs> uh, anyways, Alex, Hey, how are you? I'm doing all right. I was, uh, I was up till about two 30 in the morning, just doom scrolling on Twitter so um, a little, little worn out today, trying to trying to catch up. Um, but yeah, what a crazy week! It's what a crazy week we just had, and what a crazy week it's going to be. Yeah, I'm. I'm just looking forward to an extra day off. I think for me, Monday is is a holiday, and that's it. I take one day off a week. I just take Sundays off. I work. I work every other day, and. Sunday is just like, I just ignore the world, you know, and I just like chill and I like recuperate and get ready for the next week. But I have two days. Two whole I know. Days. I'm excited about that. Does anybody else out there work six days a week? And when you randomly get that extra day, like you just don't know what to do with yourself. <laughs> like I'm like, I'm like caught somewhere between like, do I make plans and do things or do I just do nothing for longer? I don't know. I don't know what I'm going to do. <laughs> I always anyway. end up grocery shopping on Sundays, so I still feel like yeah, I'm not. So do I. I, do, I do a lot on Sundays, actually. I make it seem like I do nothing, but I do like all the cleaning in the house, and I go grocery shopping, and I do all those things. And Reestone says he works seven days a week. Ooh, so. Bro, bro, you got to have at least one day. Like, you, yeah. you got to take at least one day to just either catch up on, you know, usually the first half of my Sunday is like, cleaning, mow the lawn, go grocery shopping, go do all the things. And then by like, once we get after lunchtime, I hit the couch and I'm done. Like Sunday, the rest of Sunday is like, that's it. It's over. It's done. I'm ready for football. <laughs> I'm still kind of in preseason. I don't do preseason. So but yeah, that's uh, I guess that's, that's it for my, Hey, how are you? It's just work. And I'm really looking forward to an extra day off. <laughs> but anyways, I guess we can move super swiftly along. Uh, are you uh, are you ready, Alex? Are you ready for this? Are you yep. ready for the legislative rundown? Okay, let's do the thing. 
All right, sir, what do you have for us this week? What does everybody need to know? Keep an eye on, keep an ear open for, what do you got? It's the same as last week. Oh, okay. (laughs) (laughs) So if you're curious, um, go back and check out last week's podcast. Uh, Nothing really has changed this week. And and honestly, uh, you know, the FDA is kind of sucking all the oxygen out of the room. So that's what we're going to spend the bulk of our time on. Yeah, exciting. Okay, cool. Well, that actually, I think that may be the fastest legislative <laughs> rundown yet. And I Don't will, just... I, I will put those links from last week in this week's description too. So you guys Perfect. can find it that way. Yep. So we'll have all the links available. Uh, and if you do, if you do want to hear it all, just tune in to last week's podcast. There you go. It's all right there. Alex Alex always does an excellent job with the rundown, and I, I think this is absolutely his fast. You just shattered records, <laughs> my friend. Shattered Casal Live records today. Put, put me on the U.S. Olympic legislative rundown team. Yes. Yeah, you got a goal. Like, I don't know as though there's anybody else competing for silver and bronze, but you definitely get the gold. Bring it home. There you go. Yeah, I mean, technically you came in first and last place. Oh, God. It's a sweep. (laughs) It's a sweep, yeah. Okay, well, that's it for the legislative rundown, everyone. Yeah, go check out last week's. uh, Check out the blog post. Check out all the links that we'll have available if you're curious as to what's going on where. But we'll move even more swiftly along. Are you you ready for the next thing? I don't think you're ready. I don't think you're ready for it. Is everybody else ready for it? No, No, we're waiting. Wait, wait. I have I have somebody has a question about our stream. Is anyone else getting clipping and stuttering it, or is it just Catherine? So, so occasionally we have interwebs issues around here, and I personally I take this as a point to highlight just how grassroots Casa really is. <laughs> okay, you guys. We don't uh, we don't have a big office with business internet and 5G all over the place you guys. So occasionally we do have some interwebs issues um but if it is stuttering for you uh and not for anybody else just try to refresh uh see if that clears some things up. Exit, you know, unplug, plug back in kind of situation and uh I think it might everybody... I think it might have been Catherine because uh, everybody yeah. else was saying it's fine. Yeah. So Click that refresh. But it, Hopefully it, that helps. It, you know, it, it wouldn't surprise me. It easily could have been us because we have had lots of issues. So yeah, every sometimes it's me. Sometimes it's Chris. For a while, Alex was like switching between internets every every stream <laughs> to try to find a good one that worked. So you know, it happens. Grassroots like AF around here, you guys. I like Mowgli's suggestion. Smash the yes. like button to fix it. <laughs> if you guys click the like button enough times, our internet will work. That's that's science right there. Thank Fine you for calling. Internet. All right. We gotta turn this off here. Okay. Yeah, we need an IT guy to just like drive between all of our places and figure it out. Big loop. All right, moving swiftly along. Are you ready? I'm ready. Kristen, are you ready? I am Alex, ready. ready. Okay, let's do the thing. And as always, we all come prepared with our own takes for the week, but very rarely have we decided on who's going first. I actually think that we're better at deciding this live in front of everybody uh, than we are, you know, getting all of our ducks in a row pre-show. 
I think you should go first. You want me to go first? You want? Yeah. Me? Okay. Well, Alex will go last because his kind of leads into our deep dive. I think. Oh yeah. Okay. I see. I like where your head's at here. Okay. I'm going to go ahead and uh, do a little screen share action, uh, and we are going to filter Alex Norsha. Norsha? Norcia? I don't know if I'm ever Norcia? saying it right. I've Anybody always said Norcia. Norcia. That's how I've said it, but I don't know if Norcia? I'm saying it right. I'm just going to go with Alex from Filter. Uh, denied FDA authorization. Vaping companies start to explore loopholes. So this is a focus on synthetic nicotine and TFN or tobacco-free nicotine. Um as per usual, I'm not going to read verbatim this entire article for everybody, but the link will be available. Uh, and I'm actually just going to go ahead right now if people want to uh, kind of read along with us or or whatnot. I'm just going to go ahead and drop it right in chat for everybody. Oh, okay. Um, I was just but this will, also, this will also be available uh, in the description. Links to all the stuff will be there. And it's but, in our blog. Yep, and it is in our blog as well. So some things to highlight real quick from this before I kind of give my take on it. Earlier in August, the FDA refused to file some 4.5 million product applications from JD Nova, citing the company had failed to include an adequate environmental assessment for those products. It was largely a bureaucratic technicality to allow the agency to dismiss those applications without fully considering any corresponding scientific or behavioral data that may have been included. And that's kind of what's happening with a uh, a number of these PMTA applications um, instead of going through, I think one of the, the kind of downsides to this is FDA kind of hits that point where if they don't have the adequate environmental assessment or, or adequate uh, stuff, they just, they deny it right there. But my question is like, what, what if these, these companies like JD Nova fix that part and reapply do they do they not know if there's anything else wrong with the application? Are they just is FDA like right then and there being like, nope, moving on and not not giving anything else? I think that's kind of up in the air. I don't have an answer for that. Maybe somebody else does, but I wanted to highlight that point. Uh, but again, synthetic nicotine and tobacco free nicotine. Um, this is actually kind of a, something that I didn't really know or I make the, the mistake often of. Uh, tobacco-free nicotine is not the same as synthetic nicotine. For anybody wondering, tobacco-free nicotine, A, is a patented uh, technology, but it refers to nicotine from other sources in the nightshade family. So tomatoes, eggplants, green peppers, things like that, where synthetic nicotine is nicotine completely made in a lab. So they're, they're two. One is still a... Uh, uh, and I don't want to, I guess organic product comes from other plants in the nightshade family and synthetic nicotine is actually fully synthetically made. Oops, wrong one, sorry. Um, but uh, there's a really good quote down here in this from Greg Conley from the AVA. Despite the FDA's best efforts, we are unlikely to see many vape businesses close in the immediate aftermath of marketing denial orders being issued. Uh, Greg Conley, president of the AVA. Uh, synthetic nicotine products must still be must still abide by nationwide age restrictions, but the Center for Tobacco Products lacks the ability to regulate them as quote tobacco products unless and until the FDA authorizes a sufficient number of flavored vape products to keep current ex smokers off of cigarettes. We will support efforts by small businesses to keep offering their products to adult consumers. So we're kind of in that like 
gray. Ooh, what am I doing here? We're kind of in that gray, uh, gray market area, right? Because FDA has authority over nicotine made from or derived from tobacco. That's the verbiage. That's where their, their regulatory authority comes into play. So synthetic, which is not made or derived from tobacco, and tobacco-free nicotine, also not made or derived from tobacco, falls kind of in the outside of that regulatory capture. And so there's, there's a good chance that this is a, an opportunity, I guess, for companies to kind of skirt that regulation. But how long does that last? Right. Like how long are we going to be able to kick the can down the road with synthetic or tobacco free nicotine before that gets wrapped up in either, you know, being also considered a tobacco product before that verbiage gets changed, which I believe does take uh, some congressional acts and things uh, to do that, but still very much a possibility or if it's considered a drug at some point. And then again, at that point, it would still fall under um, FDA regulation. So either way, either way that that goes, whether it becomes, you know, a drug or it gets wrapped up in tobacco, you know, I, I just don't, I guess it's a my view, and I'd love to hear Alex and Kristen's take on this as well. I just don't think it's gonna last. You know, I think it's a it's a temporary fix. It's a Band-Aid on a severed limb. Uh, it'll It'll keep, companies uh, afloat it'll keep uh products available for people uh but for how long you know i guess that's that's just kind of my take on on where we're at with synthetic and tobacco free nicotine is is it just it, it feels like another kick in the can down the road situation yeah so, question too. um yeah a lot there um first of all i do want to an answer um ken knowlton's question, will this be posted anywhere afterwards? Yes. Uh, there is a link at the bottom of our every weekly blog post that takes you this on our YouTube channel. Um, and so you can go back and find this. Uh, and, and of course, all of the other places that you listen to podcasts, because we're not going to have a legislative update this time. So anyway, you will be able to find it. Don't want to break too much from the subject, getting right back into it. Um, yeah, I, you know, and we, we put this in our uh, blog post this week about, um, you know, is FDA banning vaping? Um, the synthetic nicotine is a temporary fix at best. Uh, yeah. and I, I have started, this is not an exhaustive list. Um, I'm sure somebody else probably has something out there looking through all of the, um, legislation. Oh, hang on. Let me stop sharing. Uh, oh yeah, there we go. Okay. There you go. There go. Um, so this is, this is just, you know, me getting started just doing, uh, kind of a, a legislation search in what was uh, introduced and, and you know, might have moved a little bit this year. Um, so this is, this is from 2020, 2021. Uh, and already Alabama, people may have heard, uh, has signed enacted a bill uh, that prohibits the sale of uh, synthetic nicotine products unless they receive authorization from FDA. Um, so uh, this is another thing of uh, synthetic nicotine is a workaround depending on where you live. Um, and, uh, I'm not going to read all of this stuff, but this list is basically any state legislation and, and Washington DC, um, that includes some sort of definition that 
does or kind of may be interpreted to include synthetic nicotine. And so what we're seeing is uh, states are certainly hip to this. Uh, and uh, although there are probably going to be a bunch of states that don't ban the use of synthetic nicotine, they will fold it into existing uh, tobacco or vaping regulations. Um, so for the purposes of taxation or licensing uh, and flavor bans, all of those things, uh, it is likely we will see over the next year or two states and municipalities updating their, their codes and statutes um, to include synthetic nicotine. Um, and this feels this this very much feels like a kind of an anthem of CASA where, you know, federal regulation takes time. The federal government is slow to move. And we always seem to be very, very focused or at least more heavily focused on state and local laws because they that's that's kind of often where things move quicker. Um, and so I think that's another that's another big thing here, like whether the FDA, you know, however the FDA moves on synthetic and tobacco free, it's most likely going to be a slow drag the feet process, whereas states and local local governments uh, could adopt these laws much quicker. And, and yeah, we could I see a lot more happening there. I, I think it's, you know, it's possible like worst case scenario, FDA regulates it like a drug, um, which I, I think would make it incredibly difficult for anyone to use it. Um, yeah. uh, best case for FDA, uh, they can do it, they can regulate it by way of rulemaking. Um, but considering how much of a stickler, at least Center for Tobacco Products seems to be about following the, the absolute letter of the law, um, uh, I, I suspect they may go to Congress and say, you need to, you need to change this definition. You need to amend definition, yeah. Um, into a particularly anti-science definition that would include something that doesn't come from tobacco at all. Yeah. Yeah. But so I mean, either way, I guess at the end of the day, the, the, the take here is again, uh, synthetic and tobacco free nicotine are both, um, you know, options on the table right now for, uh, for us, uh, for, consumers for for manufacturers for whatnot because it does fall kind of on the outside of that regulatory uh, framework for FDA but in the at the end of the day it's not something that um, it's gonna last forever um, there's there's also something um, uh, let me see where before it goes away here um, Nicole uh, Fagan Malloy asks how is this similar to their zero nicotine position? Um, if I remember correctly, and maybe you guys can correct me, or maybe the people in chat can correct me, um, as far as zero nicotine liquid is concerned, um, I think it has to do with intended use and yeah. devices. So zero nicotine e-liquid, not really captured as far as like, I don't know that, I don't believe you need to submit a PMTA for zero. Somebody, somebody just jump off. No, I don't believe so either because uh, flavorings, no nicotine, right? Right. There's like, no tobacco uh, product in that. There's no nicotine. Right. The but, aromatics that we use are suspended in PG or VG and or both anyway. So essentially it's just a big bottle of right. flavoring suspended in the same. Yeah. but Or cake flavoring, uh, candy flavoring. But as soon as you put that into a tank and hook it up to a mod, which is the intended use, 
then it becomes a tobacco product because the mod itself is considered a component or, or right. part. Right. So you got to hot product. knife it essentially. No, I'm just kidding. Please don't, please don't hot knife yeah. your e-liquid. No, yeah. No knife hits of um, e-liquid. But yeah, no, you're Alex, absolutely right. I mean, once it I goes know. into uh, a device, a tank, whatever, the other side of that, you know, made or derived from tobacco also that captures devices, accessories, things like that, that are tobacco products. That's why your, your, your 510 drip tip is considered a tobacco product. I disagree. Uh, so once that liquid enters that device, it's that's the intended use. It's intended to be inhaled and used in the same manner. I disagree. I mean, and, and I've always kind of disagreed with you guys and some other people about that, is that I really truly think that the way that was written is, is intended to be used as a part of a tobacco price, as a, a product, as a component of. And a tank does not become a component on, of a tobacco product until you add the nicotine to it. So I think I think the, the FDA has been so fixated on closed systems that it didn't even, when it was writing up these rules, they didn't even consider open systems and tanks and mods. They were thinking about jewels and, you know, mm. puff bars and stuff like that. So it, if that tank is never going to have to, a tobacco product in it, it's not a part and component of a tobacco product. So I don't think, I honestly, I think they could be easily challenged on using of calling that a tobacco product any more than you can call a glass pipe in a shop for tobacco for use only. Right. Exactly. Because they can't prove that that separate thing. Now, when a company's making uh, a, a total single product that's pre-filled, then that yeah. component, that, that tank, that all the other parts of it become are going to be becoming a part of a tobacco product because yeah. it's a component. But selling it separately, I I I disagree that that's actually how they intended. I don't know if we've ever gotten a clear it. answer from them on it, though. Right? Nope. Like that's we've always just kind of been stuck in the the fringes trying to decipher the code. But you're right. I mean, it's in, it's as far as like uh, we talk about drug paraphernalia is concerned, a pipe doesn't become drug paraphernalia until it has the illicit substance in it somewhere. You know, if you were to just take a clean water pipe and walk into a police station and set it on the counter, they can't do anything to you. It's clean. It's a piece of glass. It's for tobacco use or for whatever. It doesn't become paraphernalia until there is residue, substance, something going on. So like, does this empty tank, oh, they're all behind my computer, but my imaginary empty tank right here or this right here, if if I never put nicotine in it, is it still captured under that? And I don't think it is, and I don't think they intended it to. And they, they haven't come out and said it, but everything that they've done to date has been so focused on prefilleds, yeah. pods, and stuff like that. I mean, everything. And I don't think they even they probably even figured that they were gonna do what they're doing right now and just kind of get rid of all the open system stuff and leave us with jewels and fuses yeah. and things like that but that's on our next topic i did yeah. want to really quick because this is still on on the topic they're asking about this somebody said um wait where is it no i can't find it i've been going back to it this whole time but he was asking about wait wait, wait. uh all right um ian asks if nicotine is nicotine the molecules are the same therefore how can anyone distinguish between tobacco derived or lab derived and we were kind of yes, talking about 
Yeah. TSNAs is one thing. It's basically impurities, Ian. You're going to, it's going to have impurities that you're not going to find generally in, but they're hard to detect. And, you know, even if they test, I mean, if they decide to test it, then, I mean, they could tell if they test it. But yeah, there Um, are uh, any of the, the nicotine that comes from tobacco. uh, It's, it's so difficult to get down to just completely pure base, pure, molecular nicotine you know there are still tobacco specific nitrosamines and other impurities and things that are there uh even if they're extremely low difficult to detect levels um they they do tend to be there as well so there's there's that difficult but not entirely impossible anyways that's my take for today uh i'll let you two hash it out and duke it out over who's going next well, I think I'm going last. Yeah, I think Alex is going last. Okay. Um, that was like the most, <laughs> I don't know. There was, there was, there was not an exciting brawl between you two to figure it out. Alex was like, I'm, I'm just going. <laughs> well, I thought we did that at the beginning. I said, you go first. I'll go. And then Alex. Oh, I missed that part. I was just the... so excited to go first. <laughs> um, okay. Now, when do you guys watch the, watch the comments for me? Cause I can't see them. Um, now, for my take, what's that? The chat, if you can watch the chat. Um, and you guys, don't worry if in your chat and you, that we're off of this topic now because we are coming back around at the end under a deep dive to talk about what's going on with the FDA and some of your frequently asked questions and all that. So don't freak out if we're not covering it right now because that's our deep dive afterwards, okay? Um, but mine this week is talking about, am I not in the, see, that was on our blog. I'm on our website and I'm going to our blog. This is where you can find that. If right on the top here, you can see right there. Um, and I am talking about a study that just came out of Michigan this last, I think it was this last week. And uh, there it is right there. And um, I found out when <laughs> I was a little confused by it, as I wrote in the tweet, that it's confusing that the menthol ban, you know, it says that there's that it's going to dec- that uh, if they ban menthol cigarettes, that smoking and vaping deaths will decline by five percent. Um, and because this is behind a paywall and I've been thinking about asking them if they can let us see it, um, I can't see all the details of how they figured this out or any of that stuff um, or what they consider a vaping death or what exactly they mean by that. It was a very confusing uh, article to be on that, but that vaping deaths will decline by 5%. So I'm not, I don't know what vaping deaths are. Um, and the study also says that there will be a reduction in smoking by 15% of both non-menthol people, people who smoke non-menthol and people who smoke menthol. Uh, overall 15% decline in smoking if menthol is banned, which again, I'm not sure why people who smoke marble reds are going to quit smoking because cools can't be sold. So I, I don't know how that works because I couldn't read the study. Um, I was I, I did notice that Cliff Douglas, who is generally a um, pretty positive about vaping as being an alternative for smoking and he doesn't want to see, you know, flavors banned for adults, um, was a part of this study. And I think I might like try to tweet at him and pick his brain and say, hey, can you explain this a little more? Maybe I'll private DM him or whatever you call. Um, And uh, so 
I might talk to him about that because he is behind the study and it, it is curious that he still thinks that even though you don't want to ban other flavors for adults, they want to ban menthol cigarettes and maybe in his mind, ban the menthol cigarettes and people will go over to um, menthol vaping. And that'll be great if it still exists after September 9th, you know, um, so we don't know. Um, I mean, the good news in this study is that it does, you know, they do see if you see, it says banning menthol flavors in cigarettes could reduce smoking by whoop, could reduce smoking by 15% by having smokers giving up tobacco products altogether or switching to e-cigarettes and other nicotine vaping products, uh, avoiding 16,250 tobacco-related deaths per year by 2060. Um, so, he, the, the, at least the researchers are saying, "Hey, switch to e-cigarettes." That's a that's the good news. That's it's good news to see more and more of these researchers saying, "Hey, switch to e-cigarettes." Um, unfortunately, we just may not have a whole lot of e-cigarettes to use, and there's a lot of people who don't want menthol or tobacco flavored, as we all know. Um, but my, uh, I wanted to look and see. Like I said, it was really confusing because I don't understand what what vaping deaths are talking about and how a menthol ban can stop vaping deaths because generally those people aren't vaping. And maybe maybe I'm reading it wrong and maybe he means dual use, that if people are smoking and vaping, that when they quit, that'll, you know, that'll reduce deaths by 5%. Um, but, you know, looking at menthol bans, again, we're looking at, we've and we've talked about this before, is that they're not, you, banning, bans don't work. And, I'll, you know, I'll show you, like, in the UK, they just banned menthol uh, last May of 2020, I want to say. And, um, you know, here's what they're doing. This kind of cracked me up. Boris's menthol ban has me feeling like I'm doing, well, something illegal here. Because <laughs> what he's basically doing is he's adding menthol to his cigarettes. Um, and... Is this these uh are these the little pop capsules? Uh, I think so. You, yeah. You just you put there's like a kit to to puncture into your filter, oh, and you okay. basically make like the little the little crush ball. Yeah, that's exactly what they're. You can buy these like all they're on Amazon. <laughs> right. For crying out loud, you can buy yeah, these I mean, all over the place, and, and well, it just becomes US, a DIY situation. Um, I found that, yeah, definitely. I found that in the U.S., people are already talking about different options they have. I came across, you know, type in menthol yeah. ban, came across this lady who says, you know, she's going to go to the Indian reservations, the Native American reservations, and get them there. Um, and uh, this person here, and, and this is, and this is what I don't think they take into account. I don't think, I mean, they're just so convinced that all they have to do is not make it available legally and people are just going to not do it anymore. And a lot of them look at Canada. Um, he was just saying they're trying to ban menthol. I got to get all the camel crushes I can find. Guy below him says, I got a pack of Newports if you want it. You know, I mean, it's, yeah. it, that's, that's, that's what they're, you know, and I'm, I'm sure that they try to take this into account, but I don't think they really do. And I think, and there's no commentary in this on how this is going to affect low income people, people of color, uh, L, um, LGBT, sorry, I get all those letters out. I always mess it up. Um, that, you know, all people with mental health issues, you know, who are, you know, 
make up a lot of them smoke, you know, and it doesn't talk about that. It doesn't say how is that going to affect people? What are these people going to do instead? I mean, they're only looking at deaths from smoking. They're not looking at anything else that may offset that. And one of those things that I came across, which I thought was really interesting, was there was, um, and I don't know if I can bring this up. Let me see if I can find it. Um, according to National Surveys on Drug Use and Health, um, which that is this. I like this. This will make your eyes hurt. I have to tell you. Um, but uh, trying to watch. I mean, it's it's just a ton of. Whoops. Well, let me try the different one here. I have the 2016 one too. I found it all the way back to 2015, and um, essentially they track what people were doing, illicit drug use, tobacco product and alcohol use, and they, and they track it not only by, um, I mean, look at this is 2,889 pages. And, uh, and I went through all these charts and what I found was that, um, that for teens who started smoking, cause I, I remember this, this stat from the American Lung Association that talked about how like 400 uh, people under the age of 18 start smoking every day, every day. And I thought, well, is that just going to stop when they ban menthol, when they keep kids from being able to vape? Are they just going to, is that, is that going to go away? What's been going on with that? And I found out that, um, let's see, uh, in 2015, 119,000 youth, ages 12 to 17 became daily smokers, which is 326 kids a day started smoking. And that's daily smokers. That's not they tried a cigarette and put it down. That's they became a daily smoker. Um, by 2019, by 2018, it was down to 63,000 a, a year or a year of total. And that's about 175 per day. So that kind of cut that not quite in half. Um, by 2019, it rose again, and then it was seven. It was up to 74,000, and back up to 203,000 or 20, 203 new daily smokers per day. Um, and weirdly, in the 2019 uh, survey, they haven't added vaping. I don't know why. You'd think by now they'd be asking people because that is nicotine use, and you know it's such a danger to teens. Um, and uh, also, in, interesting, in 2019, the number of 12 to 17-year-olds who started smoking, not necessarily daily smoking, but just started smoking, was 541,000 teens initiated smoking. They tried smoking for the first time, either, you know, where they went from there, we don't know. Um, but the number who started drinking alcohol, who initiated drinking alcohol in 2019, was 2,259,000. But they're worried about, <laughs> you know vaping and smoking, you know, it's, it's crazy. I wish I, that's one of the reasons that number is why I wanted to see what the vaping numbers were, but they didn't have it. Um, anyhow, the latest available data shows the number of kids who started smoking was up in 2019 with the most recent report. Uh, in 2015, 3.3% of the total population of 12 to 17 year olds started smoking, but by 2019, that had dropped to 2.2%. And their hope from this, from this study is that, um, it will have dropped, the overall smoking will have dropped by 15% in 2026. But if smoking initiation returns to pre-vaping levels 
And the menthol ban has little to no impact on smoking initiation because they say on here, they say that um, they're, I mean, they found, let me see, where is it? Uh, right here. It says recent evidence finds that the menthol bad would likely increase smoking cessation with more limited with more limited evidence of reducing smoking initiation. This is what got me on this whole initiation kick um, and switching from smoking to other products like e-cigarettes. So basically the bulk of what they're counting on is it's going to force people to quit. They're going to be like, oh, I can't get my menthol, so I'm going to quit, um, which I think is just sort of a Pollyanna sort of wishful thinking idea. But so... If any of this is is based on reducing smoking initiation, then what I was gonna say is if the smoking initiation of kids from 12 to 17 goes back to pre-vaping levels, because don't get because during all of this happening, they're doing everything they can to keep kids from vaping and away from vaping products. So now you're gonna have they're not gonna be vaping, they're not gonna have their menthol. But now you might start seeing this rise, and we already have in 2019, we're seeing a rise in um, initiation again. And um, basically that could be about, well, over half a million new smokers in the next four and a half years until 2026. So they have to offset that. And then you'd have to, I mean, that's not even counting over 415,000 people who started smoking over the age of 17, so from 18 and up. 415 people in that year just started smoking. 415,000 people, I'm sorry, had just started smoking. And that's how many people start smoking every year. And they're still trying to ban vaping. I just don't get that. Um, and then you have to add them. And we've got another 1.867 million smokers. So, um, and one other interesting note from these tables is while the 12 to 17 year olds had higher rates of trying cigarettes for the first time, you know, I was talking about, oh, kids start smoking when they're when they're teens, when they're underage, they start smoking. It was the over 21 group had much higher rates. We're talking about like quadruple the rates of becoming daily smokers. So they may try their first cigarettes when they're teens, but it's not until they become their early, you know, they're over 18, actually early 20s, 21 and up had the highest. I mean, 18 to 21 also had much higher than the teens, but that was just an interesting thing. Um, Adult smoking rates dropped from 42% in 1965 to 14% in 2019, according to the CDC. Um, they didn't release yet last year's data, but uh, the Quitline report cited the U.S. Treasury Department data showing cigarette sales increased 1% in 2020 after dropping 4 to 5% each year since 2015. We all have seen all those stories about everything ticking up in 2020. And then, you know, as far as we're concerned, it's because all of the anti-vaping stuff, you know, people were switching to vaping and now all of a sudden they're, it, it's just clearly like they're going back. And uh, the recent Gallup poll that I, we shared last week confirms that adult smoking also rose between 2019 and 2020. And um, like I said, this, this correlates with a lot of the anti-vaping propaganda and, um, and all that. So there's also an article about the Canadian menthol ban which oh that's the wrong oh i don't know what happened to it um it was on reason magazine and i don't know i lost i have the wrong link here i don't know i must have copied and pasted the wrong thing but um you know they looked at at what happened in canada and they've a study found that it did not stop and you know initiation of smoking the menthol ban up there did not stop the, the initiation and the vast majority of people just switched to um, non-menthol cigarettes or we're doing things like this guy probably is and putting the little pellets in there. So 
Um, yeah, that's Kristen, that's kind of my uh, take on that because on. Uh, what? Just a second here. I have your Reason Mag article for you, and yeah. it's over in private chat. So if you still wanted to share it, or if you wanted to highlight, well, I'll share, I'll share it in the thing. But um, I pretty much just said what. Uh, but thank you. Um, I'm going to put it in the chat. The main chat. I'm right quick now. with the Google foo. I, I, I did want to point out a couple of things. Um, also, I don't have access to the study because I'm not made of money. Um, and uh, but I will say uh, this is this is a modeling study. Uh, these are not. This is not observational. Right. Uh, and so it's it's just plugging data in and getting a result on the other side. Right. Um, I do, uh, you know, David Levy does a lot of these. Um, I actually um, uh, might have misspoke at a, at a at a little get together sometimes, saying like, yeah, but it's just a modeling study, right? And, and David Levy's <laughs> was like, well, I actually worked on those modeling studies and and so on. So very nice guy, absolutely professional. Um, and so, but I think, you know, people do understand there are limitations to this, this stuff. So but they don't, <laughs> if, if, if you're, if you're plugging garbage in, then you get garbage out. Um, but I do trust, I mean, there's some very smart people that have worked on this, so right. I can't give you the details as to how they factored in things like people, um, shopping on an informal market. I mean, if you're talking about 15% of people, it's not just 15% of people quitting. It's also preventing people from getting uh, into cigarettes. And so there's okay. probably, you know, I or think there's some, there's some assumption there that by uh, uh, making menthol unavailable, then you're going to take care of a certain percentage of people that would gateway from menthol to regular cigarettes, which I don't know how that really, because once I went to menthol, there was really no going back to regular cigarettes. Um, much like when I went to flavored vapor products, there was no way to go back. And I, I couldn't just, can I, can I just interject really quick that I, I started as a, a Marlboro red smoker, spent three years smoking Newports and then went over to camels. So I went from non menthol to menthol briefly and then back to non menthol. And it really wasn't. Like I just smoked menthols because the uh, the person that I was in a relationship with at the time only exclusively smoked Newports, and so there were always Newports available, yeah. and so that's you know that's just what I what I smoked. So I think there's definitely going to be some people who are just like, yeah, sure, I'll just go, I'll just go smoke non menthol. I think I don't know what that percentage more. looks like, but I just know from personal experience that it wasn't well. well that's that's like a major deal. As, as Kristen pointed out, I mean, this was something that was sort of teased out in the Canadian study um, was that a certain percentage of people just switched to regular cigarettes. Yeah. I, uh, and know, the I, other the, the other majority thing, did. Yeah, the majority. Uh, the other thing that you I think you brought up, both of you brought up at some point is uh, I don't know that these modeling studies account for things like people of color uh, and, and low income people being targeted by law enforcement for either possessing or selling or using these now banned products. Um, and so what is what are the health impacts of that? We know from the drug war, it's pretty bad. So I don't know that it would be that much different. Yeah, there are, there are definitely gonna be, whenever you have a product like this that's in demand, right? Like menthol cigarettes are an in-demand product, that demand will be filled somewhere. It's it's going to be filled in, a, in an illicit market uh, and all of the, the trials and tribulations that come with that and those those products being sold um, illegally. And yeah, they're absolutely going to be um, disproportionate 
uh, enforcement around that towards communities of color and low income communities. Yeah, it's just, it, you know, this is something that we we highlighted in in um, our post about the menthol ban, the social justice side of this, which, uh, you know, public health often just simply kind of glazes past or glosses over uh, when they talk about these things or, you know, it won't be that big of a deal, you know, uh, but it absolutely is a big deal to the lives of those involved. Like, it's absolutely a big deal. So. And it's, it's, it's and the thing that kind of just occurs to me when you think about the fact that the that smoking is much more prevalent in lower income, and so it may end up having people with money quitting because they can't get their weekend menthol, you know, or whatever it is that they're smoking. But the the weird thing, yeah, whatever it is they're smoking, right? <laughs> Double entendre there. Um, but the thing is, is that how how do they reconcile this nicotine is the most addictive thing in the world it's worse than heroin it's or more addictive than heroin and all that kind of stuff but if you ban menthol they're gonna quit i mean look at the disconnect there it doesn't it does not even follow and and then you're also talking about a group of people who are you know getting pipe tobacco and cigars and doing whatever they can what the cheapest thing they can afford lucy's all that kind of do you really think they're going to care that much about their menthol so you're not i mean that's they're giving up food and a huge chunk of their budget to smoke compared to wealthier people. And that was the other thing is with, with, with bans and, you know, prohibition and, and, and um, taxes and such, it was usually people with money that mostly quit. That was another study that came across. So just none of it makes sense to me. None of it, it, it just does not follow. And it's going to be interesting to see what happens in the UK and, and all that. But, and, and I respect, Cliff and I respect a lot of these researchers, but I think sometimes they get a little myopic in, in, oh, this is the goal and this we can do it. And sure, the numbers might all add up. And like you said, it's they're just numbers. But the problem is, is that if you go to Twitter right now and Google menthol ban, this study has just been, it, it's going out there. And, and people are thinking, oh, look, 65,000 lives are going to be saved if we ban menthol. And they're just taking that for face value. Look, a study says this. They don't understand its models. They don't understand that it's a lot of its guesswork. They don't understand that. And then that's where you get the policy people. Well, how many involved. how many Eric Gardner's and people sitting in, in prison does it take to save those 60 five, you know, thousand lives or whatever? 650,000 650, over, over the course of 39 years. Oh, sorry. Yeah. 650. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, I knew it was goal to have, but there's, there's other things to take into account there. Yeah. So much. I don't know. This whole thing, that whole study kind of frustrated me. And I think I would, if Cliff Douglas, if you, you know, Sir, if you end up watching this and you can explain this to me better, I would so appreciate it because <laughs> I just got so confused trying to understand wouldn't this. Wouldn't a more viable and pragmatic solution to all of this just be to provide satisfying, safer alternatives that we promote to the public and letting consumers switch I'm, I'm and gonna, make that gonna, choice themselves? I'm going to live edit. I'm going to live edit your statement right there. Um, we don't need to provide it. I don't want. I don't want the FDA to provide us with anything. I want the FDA to allow the companies to go through a standards-based approval process and allow allow people to 
manufacture and sell these products to the people like you and me who want to buy them instead of smoking. <laughs> I'm bad at words. Sorry, I didn't get up on my high horse. I know. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, isn't that just a more pragmatic solution to all of this? Yeah, you. I mean, that's you know, that's where we've been, right? Like, you know, it's just uh, have, what's the math here? What, like, what's twenty twenty one and minus two thousand eight? Right? Are we talking thirteen years? <laughs> thirteen, fourteen years. That's where we've been. Yeah. Until until now. Well, I mean, really, until twenty fourteen, but thirteen years. <laughs> it's just. Uh, it's just. It's just wild. I think it's funny they're talking about people stocking up on pumpkin spice and stuff in the comments that I've just been putting up there. And it's like, for Pete's sake, people stocked up on toilet paper for no reason. What do you think they're going to do with their menthol cigarettes? Yeah. You know, it's going to be a huge just, I mean, I'd love to, I can't wait to see what comes out in the UK. But see, the UK is going to be different because they are going to have a readily available good products for people to switch to and we're on course to not have anything to switch to except so, for snooze you know well no i mean for for uh, for a smoking replacement i mean there's a nicotine replacement alternatives and we do talk about that but yeah the there's no because they're saying e-cigarettes they say e-cigarettes right in the study. i know it's just the uk you know? and snooze it still bothers me <laughs> oh yeah that's that's right they can't yeah yep 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 all right well that's my rant Oh, sorry, my take. <laughs> I don't know if it was a, if I had a take on that. I didn't really have a take. It was just my rant on that. And I just feel like this just the wrong direction. And I just. Yeah, I would, love, I would love to hear more about uh, just how that that 5% and vaping deaths figure yeah. uh, came to be. Um, I don't understand that. What vaping deaths? What I mean, you could say, okay, the lung diseases, you could say the lung injuries if you want to try to blame I, vaping on it. But the thing is, is that I, that quitting banning menthol tobacco cigarettes, how is that going to stop evolving? Anything, you know? I, mean, I know. I, I, I think there's, there's two, I think there's two potential answers here. The first one, which is not, which doesn't make any sense, would be gateway. And that young people start vaping and then they transition to cigarettes. That doesn't make any sense. The data doesn't show that. But if your kind of study design has to consider worst case scenarios, which I expect that these folks have a lot of experience in doing that, then they True. would include that. Uh, the other thing That's is um, uh, that I think you also have to consider perhaps unforeseen long-term consequences. So we don't, we're not seeing any long-term issues right now, right. but we don't know. And so that's kind of, it's one of those unknowns that you would factor into a worst case scenario. Um, so that kind of makes sense. It's kind but, of like when we, you know, when we I, refer... think, I, I think when you write something like this and put out that press release, um, I think there's, there's a little bit of, I, I think they kind yeah. of missed, they missed something here and this needs to be contextualized. That needs to be explained because now as you noted, this is getting shared all over the place. And so I think that's going to stick out in a lot of people's minds. They're like, oh, wait, yeah, people are dying from vaping nicotine products. Um, but that's not true. And I, I think if there was any request to put into the authors, it's to, can you please contextualize that and explain what you mean by vaping attributable deaths? Yeah. yeah and when they say they say smoking and vaping attributed deaths could be reduced by 5%, but they don't say 
how much of that is the smoking and how much is the vaping? It could be that 5% is 4.99999 smoking and 0.00001 from the vaping. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like yeah. they, don't, they don't specify. And you're right by just blanket saying, oh, we can reduce smoking and vaping deaths by 5%. There, there's no there's no context there's no well how many yeah, of the deaths no are there. from vaping yeah. yeah it's like when we when we refer to you know the royal college physicians and their um you know the vaping is at least 95% safer than smoking there's that at least or is unlikely to exceed 5% of the risk of smoking it's that at right. least there's at least a little bit of nuance when we talk about that that you know it could be 99%. It could be 97%, but it's unlikely to exceed 5%. There's at least some nuance in those kind of figures when we talk about that to say, okay, well, it's at least this. It's unlikely to exceed this instead of being like, no, oh, vaping and, you know, vaping deaths for 5%. Like, it just feels like there's no nuance. There's no and just just there. so because just so people are saying, because I'm seeing some confusion in the chat about talking about you know maybe they got it wrong. It's point zero zero five percent from vaping, or or is that five percent dying from vaping um, from exploding mods? No, again, it's smoking and vaping combined deaths from smoking and vaping combined. So I mean, realistically, that could be. 100 deaths from smoking and zero from vaping, and that's reduced by 5%. Do you see what I'm saying? I mean, it, it, there's no number applied to this. So, that, so there's, no, there's no context. So it's smoking and vaping combined deaths would be reduced by 5%, which you could easily say, well, if the vaping is zero, then right. that's not part of it all. So, but we don't know because we can't see the study. And again... Right. Yeah, I'd, I'd like to offer, since I can't read the study and, and you know, everybody, it's behind a paywall for everyone, um, I'll just go ahead and speculate on a third option for worst case scenario here, which would be uh, young people or really anyone transitioning from vaping back to smoking because of the policies, um, which if we're going to put, uh, you know, a finer point on that one, that's not really a tobacco attributable death, that's desk murder. So, yeah. Good point. No. And that's a good note Absolutely. to end on. And you're up. <laughs> yes. I took care of my that's own right there. <clears throat> so um, let's see here. I'm going to I'm going to navigate my way to uh, the. And I went way deep. longer than I was supposed to. I'm sorry, but at least yours is going to kind of segue into the deep dive. So. Yeah, it's OK. And we skipped the legislative rundown. So. Um, so, yeah, I managed um, to be at an hour. <laughs> For, uh, for for my take this week, uh, I wanted to, first of all, highlight Jacob Greer's article uh, posted in, um, published in at Reason. Um, the FDA is set to unintentionally push quitters back to smoking. Um, first of all, uh, thank you, Jacob Greer, for all the time that you've spent covering this issue. Uh, I think in another tweet, Jacob pointed out that um, uh, it is likely that, you know, this is going to be very un underreported in uh, the mainstream media. Um, if it is reported at all, I'm sure it will be done lacking a substantial amount of context. Um, so uh, I very much appreciate people like Jacob Greer, Alex Norsha, Helen Redman, um, and, and some other folks who have Mark Gunther, who have um, really focused on this issue and done some very good reporting around it. Amazing uh, that, article. I just have to that say, that. yes, this is a very good article, and I recommend everyone read it. Um, my take is not so much on the article, but 
I think this sort of combination of the headline and the article. Um, first of all, I really want to zero in on this, on the use of the word unintentional. Um, unintentional, unintentionally, unintended consequences. We've been hearing this for years now, and uh, it is one of those things that, in my experience, when you, know, when you go to a CASA call to action and you see the pre-written email, uh, that is something that, that I have written. I've been writing these things for years. Um, I've been updating them as we go along, sometimes not, sorry, but um, one of the things that I have tried to be conscious of in writing these things is you can't just come at a lawmaker full bore and start saying, you know, you're a liar, you're a bad person, all these things. That doesn't make people really receptive to, to our message. And so we have to kind of soften the tone a little bit. And in some of these letters, you will read things like, um, you know, well-meaning but misguided policy. Um, and of course, the well-meaning is, you know, we want people to be healthy. We want people to be happy. We don't want them to die early from, from smoking or, or any other thing. Uh, and so the effort to uh, encourage people or um, in the tobacco control case, force people to change their behavior is well-meaning. And of course, because that is our goal, any harm that comes to people as a result of this policy is unintended. Um, in spite of the fact that this article starts with the word unintentionally, uh, it goes on to uh, talk about how um, there have been studies uh, there have been observations in the real world about how these policies are affecting people. Uh, we know this from Massachusetts, New York, San Francisco, Minnesota, uh, that these policies are actually pressuring people back to smoking. Um, we know these things. There's a there's a 12 step thing <laughs> and don't want to drop 12 step on people. But the first step is acknowledging you have a problem. And when you do that, you can't un unacknowledge it. It's it's you can't unsee it. Uh, it's there. And so, my take on this whole thing is, I think it's time to stop using the word unintentional. Um, these are not unintended consequences. The FDA is not accidentally denying a bunch of applications. Uh, it was not. It was not really their stated goal, I think FDA has given themselves a lot of cover uh, and they have been very open. Uh, you know, Mitch Zeller in court documents has come out and warned. Uh, I think this might be featured in here. I had it highlighted. Um, oh man, I should really get better at this whole internet thing. Um, but, you know, Mitch, Mitch Zeller's uh, statement in, in the uh, in, in letter to the court, here we go, here's the quote, um, was dramatically and precipitously reducing availability of these products could present a serious risk that adults, especially former smokers who currently use e-cigarettes, thank you, Jacob, for replacing that horrible acronym, uh, and are addicted to nicotine would migrate to combustible products. So when you say that publicly, also in court documents, this is on the record. 
when your agency then goes on to refuse these applications um, and not, I think, um, make good on the promise to, uh, I don't want to say kind of handhold, but, but walk through the, you know, walk with these small businesses through the process, support them in, in ways that they, they really need the support. Um, you're talking about a bunch of people who are not experts at, at, at federal regulations. Uh, these are folks who, who very passionately got involved in this industry because they saw that the products were helping people and they wanted to do that. Uh, and also they can make a living doing it. So, um, but when when the agency is is almost it feels like summarily dismissing these applications that's not unintentional and also the fact that fda has said that they're considering you know they're giving more consideration to the top five companies by market share that's intentional and the top five companies by market share probably with the exception of enjoy are not responsible for all of the innovations that have been happening, for all of the good things, for all the community that's been built, for all of the vape shops that have sprung up and started helping people. We got some people in our chat today who they, they live for people who smoke to walk into their shop and walk out with a vapor product. The top five companies by market share are not responsible for that. So that being the case, Denying all of these applications and not granting extensions, not continuing the process so that these companies can, can uh, come up with the research that's needed to bring these products to market, that is intentional. The people that go back to smoking are not unintended consequences anymore. Arguably, they've never been an unintended consequence. The intent of the Tobacco Control Act was to create a bottleneck that made it very difficult for a lot of companies to get through the authorization process. It made it so that only the top companies would be able to afford the process, understand the process, and get all the way through the process. These are not unintended consequences. Um, I think the quote is, I, and, and this is, I don't want this, this is not a like we told you so moment, but um, I, I will invoke Carl Phillips here. Uh, he's been he's brought this up a couple times on Twitter already. This is this is something that we said in in 2014. What we're seeing now with the four or five companies getting all the attention uh, is a feature, not a bug. This is not. Oops, <laughs> we can only deal with the top five companies. No, they've known this. They've known this for seven years. They've arguably knew it before the draft rule was posted. Um, they knew it in 2009 when the act was passed, um, and and here we are. So that's my take. <laughs> you know, uh, I have decided I need to print out a like icon that I can hold up and a heart icon that I can hold up because I can't like anything. When I'm here. And I was like, I want to like hold up that that heart button, that like button. Every time you were talking, it was like, I'm going to do that. If you guys are on Facebook and or Twitter or wherever you are, like. Yes. Hit the like button for a, Kristen because like, she can't do it right now. I can't do it. <laughs> yeah. They want, they just want the power wall, right? That's it. That's all they want to handle. They want, oh, in, in convenience stores that, that yeah. they just want to handle the products on the power wall. Yeah. Um, you know, they don't want to deal with all the companies. They don't, they just want to deal with the select few, the big ones, the big names. They want a handful of, of 
companies that they have to deal with instead of these thousands of small manufacturers and such. Yeah, I mean, I, I think, you know, trying trying to put myself in the shoes of somebody working at a regulatory agency, I, I, I think I have to appreciate the, the tremendous workload that, that all of these folks are dealing with. Um, I don't think anybody should be under any illusion that this is easy. Um, you know, I, I, I see the, the criticisms from people. Um, I heard some of the, the feedback last night. There was a little, uh, there was a Twitter space thing that happened last night. Um, and uh, I, I think, you know, there were, it, it sounds to me and, and, and from what I understand, there were promises made to, to the independent side of the vapor industry that mm-hmm. um, there, would be, there would be some assistance and there would be a streamlined PMTA. Um, I think, you know, uh, by, by mandate, FDA has to consider the needs of small businesses and help them through these processes. And that, that didn't happen well enough. I think there were attempts, which may just sort of be, uh, you know, a, a way for FDA to report back to Congress and say, nope, look, we did it. We fulfilled our obligation. Um, but, you know, as far as making a, a real concerted effort, um, it doesn't look like these small businesses got the attention that they need. Uh, and, and, and really, you know, it's, it's one of those things where if, uh, if, 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 uh, if the only tool in your tool belt is a hammer, then all your problems look like nails. And so the only way for FDA to deal with this is to just deny a bunch of applications um, and, and stick with, with, companies that, you know, the few companies, and I, I am, I am very confident that whatever applications were submitted by companies like Enjoy and Reynolds, um, uh, Logic, Jewel, and so on, um, that they are substantial, uh, and that these companies are able, they were able to afford, uh, perhaps randomized control trials, perhaps longitudinal studies. Uh, if they had the foresight four or five years ago to say we need to start a longitudinal study now, we need product-specific information for this device that we're going to get through PMTA, um, then I, perhaps they've got it. Um, but uh, but we don't know. We won't know until you know we get closer to the ninth or after the ninth, um, and that's a lot of work. You got to go. Somebody's got to go through that. There's back and forth between FDA and these companies. Um, you know they have questions. Uh, we've seen some of that. We've definitely seen it with the modified risk applications. Um, you know, we, we, you know, thank you for providing these studies, but we have some questions. Can you perhaps provide more research, more information about this question and that? Um, so it's not a, it's not kind of a once and done thing. If there's, you know, for people who may not understand what this process is like, I'm not going to claim to have any intimate knowledge of the process. I, 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 I haven't really been involved in anybody's application. Uh, and that's good because you would have been rejected sooner because I don't really know how to do it. Um, but it, it's, you know, it is sort of a fluid process. It, it's it's more like a conversation between the company and, and the regulator. Uh, and ultimately it should be with the goal of providing all the data, all the all the research so that not just that the, reg, the regulator can feel comfortable granting a market authorization, but so that customers can feel like the regulator did their job they have oversight of this company and their products, and I'm buying something that I can feel confident in. Um, so, but right now, um, you know, I, I don't know. I don't know that I have confidence in the FDA to be able to get this done. I think a lot of it, you know, there's a lot of leftover ideology that I think is guiding some people. But I think the big, the big hurdle here is that there just aren't enough humans 
working at FDA in order to do this. And I, I don't want to offer that up as a case for increasing funding or increasing fees that consumers will ultimately pay, more so that the approval process itself is inefficient and designed to keep people out of the market. Yeah, it absolutely is. Like, it absolutely is. And all that, I will just bring it right back around. These are no longer unintended consequences. They haven't been since the Tobacco Control Act was was passed. They know exactly what they're doing. And here, here's another thing. This, I'm just going to expand it beyond, you know, FDA and, and everything that, that, that Jacob has laid out in this article. Um, you know, I, I've, I've tweeted it a couple times. I've said it privately, obviously. Um, but, you know, from all of these groups, there, there's another clip circulating on, on Twitter. Uh, I think it was the vice executive director of Campaign for Tobacco-Free Kids was on some, you know, local TV show uh, talking about the 55,000 products that were um, uh, uh, denied marketing orders. Um, first of all, she didn't offer any context there in, in uh, uh, letting the viewers know that, that these are 55,000 out of millions, millions of products that were denied marketing orders um, for various reasons, none of which, by the way, are any evidence whatsoever that the products are not appropriate for the protection of public health. It is well, simply that these applications lacked certain studies. And by the way, these are studies that people in the industry uh, believe they were given some assurances that were probably not necessary, um, specifically for open system products. Um, I don't exactly know how that transpired, but um, consider I, I, I really just want to acknowledge some of the things that, that people on the independent side have been saying. Um, and, and to me, it sounds like a lot of people feel like they were misled by the FDA. That's some very important context uh, if you're going to be reporting the whole truth on this, which Campaign for Tobacco-Free Kids does not. Um, so uh, the other thing is that Campaign for Tobacco-Free Kids, American Heart, Lung, Cancer, uh, other groups out there pretty regularly say things like e-cigarettes have formaldehyde in them. If you just read to type that sentence out and read it, they're literally saying that formaldehyde is an ingredient in e-liquid. Um, I don't know any manufacturer that adds formaldehyde to their product. I don't know why they would. Why would you spend the money to add something to your product that adds no benefit uh, and, and really just makes your product more expensive? Um, that's That doesn't make any sense. That, folks, is what we call a lie. Um, and so for organizations like this to knowingly go on television and repeat lies that are part of their propaganda materials, um, which ultimately leads to people who smoke not choosing these products and continuing to smoke, that's not an unintended consequence. You know it's going to happen. So if, if we're going to continue giving, you know, Matt Myers and the body parts groups uh, a little bit of leeway here and saying, oh, well, you're well-meaning. It's, you know, it's, it's, it's a white lie. It, this isn't like tricking your kids about Santa Claus. Um, it, it's, uh, it, it, if we're going to continue to give them some sort of leeway here, then I think it's only fair to demand that they stop lying. Uh, stop lying in your materials. Stop lying in committee hearings. Um, stop lying to members of Congress in your private meetings. Um, it's not fair, and you're actually killing people. So, truth. That's the real truth. 
That's the real truth. This is kind of uh, off topic, uh, but you talking about adding formaldehyde as an ingredient just makes me think of that uh, woman who in that that hearing. I don't remember what her name was or where she was from that made some wild comment about how people add arsenic to their ammonia. e-liquids up ammonia. ammonia that's what I'm adding think. ammonia to the e-liquids to increase yeah. the cloud volume or something which is that's just the most absurd statement i've that, ever heard in that, my life. Thing. that was albany county i was there oh, uh, yeah. and uh and so, that is the only so time absurd. uh there was a american heart association lobbyist that turned around and, and tried to shush people uh because when when we heard it i mean i i, I think a good you know, I, the entire like galley was just vapors yeah. uh, and a couple of hookah people. And I mean, that was it's just one of those comments where like it is so much bullshit. You yeah, have to. It's just so absurd. Everybody was like, <gasps> and laughing and saying like, that's insane. And, <laughs> and the Heart Association lobbyist was like, Shh, like, like we're in a library. Right. And we're all respecting <laughs> the decorum here. And you're and 10 years truth, old. Right. Yeah. We're going to shush. Thanks, yeah. Right? Oh well, you know, Sorry, that's when, just what it made me think of when you talked about adding yeah. formaldehyde. I'm like, oh yeah, like we're adding ammonia. <laughs> I remember, I think, because I, I, I had actually retweeted somebody, um, Alexei Kulikov, I guess, Dr. Lesko. He, after the first initial uh, marketing denial orders came out, he tweeted, uh, the FDA issued marketing denial orders, orders for the electronic nicotine delivery system ends products saying they pose a public health threat to youth in the u.s mm -hmm. and i said mm -hmm. i said to him i'm like no the fda said those companies hadn't submitted sufficient documentation to prove the flavors don't pose a risk that's a far cry from saying ends are a proven risk to youth no yeah. one has scientifically proven flavors pose a risk to anyone especially compared to smoking but don't tell me he Oh, that was unintentional. I didn't mean it for it to come out like that. No, you you are intentionally trying to <laughs> to fool people into thinking yeah. that the FDA just told people you're gonna see that you're gonna see determine so they're bad. He he did exactly what FDA's you know communications officer signed off on, which was Janet Woodcock's introductory paragraph to the truth, which was just dripping with propaganda. Um, it, 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 it's, it's insane. It, the, the FDA buried the lead. I, I don't know whether it's just to appease all of the antis and make it look like they're, you know, tough on crime, um, or, or, or what, but that, that statement, the press release from FDA was horribly written, uh, yeah. did not provide anyone with any useful information. And really, I, I think may have only served to momentarily pacify someone at campaign for tobacco for kids. And again, they keep coming up with, keep saying, well, you didn't prove that that the benefits to adults outweigh the the known risk posed to kids. What known risks? I mean, you, I, I know I said this last week, but I want to say it again. What? Some, somebody show me the known risk beyond just addiction. Well, it's addiction. Don't tell me brain damage because that's rats and they haven't proven that. Show me the proven, established fact risk to kids because they don't talk about the fact that if kids go back to smoking if what i was talking about earlier about those 400 or whatever kids per day go back start smoking instead of vaping you're now gonna have them have a risk to kids you know there's no proven gateway it's been completely debunked there there's 
they have yet, how do you prove something that doesn't exist? How do you prove that I'm, that, you know, <laughs> how, prove pink elephants aren't going to die because of vaping? Well, there's no, how do you prove <laughs> pink elephants exist? You know, I mean, that's, that's the extent of this. You're trying to prove something that the FDA hasn't proven even exists, that this risk has not been proven. We don't know yet. They don't know yet that if kids start vaping, it's going to be an overall better for public health because that could be the case. I, so it's know, I, overall better for public health if kids start vaping instead of smoking. It's the FDA who's causing the public health crisis, not the vape companies. You know, it's, oh, sorry. Sorry. No. I, I went off. <laughs> <laughs> just, oh, that just gets me every time I see that FDA putting that out there of, oh, we're protecting kids. And these companies didn't prove that that this is not going to um, protecting the brains of adolescent rats. But yeah, is what the, we're doing. They're not even they, doing they, that they, because they're not even rats. really doing <laughs> that. Yeah, they're not vaping. Yeah, yeah but they keep not, putting that in that statement that that these, you know, they're not proving they didn't prove that they're that they're you know not going to be a risk to kids. It's just like, but you haven't proven that they are, are a risk to kids for how, you know, and that every time I see that every single time that they, they reject something, they put that part in there and every, it just makes me just want to scream every time I see it. And, and why is nobody demanding that they have to show the actual risk before the companies has to show that they don't cause that risk? In the public's mind. And, and I, I, I sort of feel maybe a bit of an obligation to, to sort of back up here a second and say, you know, all of all of what we're talking about here and, you know, show us the, the studies, show us the, the real risk is that's not in, in any way dismissive of, of parents concerns here. I mean, I'm looking no, at no. Two parents on the screens. So, you know, it's, I, I understand, you know, I, I was I was the kid who was messing around with drugs when I was a teenager and I watched my parents go through this and and saw their their sense of defeat and their sense of, of concern. And, and, and worry for my safety and, and their, their own considerations of like, am I a bad parent? What do we do wrong? All of these things. So I, I don't want to dismiss any of that. And, and I have a tremendous amount of empathy for people, anyone raising a child in, in the world today, uh, for sure. Um, so I, 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 I just want to make that clear that, um, you know, I think what is, um, What's really unfortunate about all of this is that, you know, we as humans, we have this we are programmed to protect children. And so when we hear of a threat to children, even if it's not credible, I think people just biologically instinctively react to it. That's and why people sure, use that. And, save the children. Exactly. And so I think people, in regards to a lot of that, though, people who have an agenda take advantage of that and, and really push those issues. And it, it's. I think in regards to the 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 worrying with with our youth and drugs, um, there's a lot at play there regarding stigma, how we view drug users in in society. Like there's so there's so many societal things that play a part in that worry as well. You know, like if your teenager, if you caught your teenager having, I don't know, a drink, your reaction is probably different than if you caught your teenager using meth. I think for most most parents, if you yeah. you'd be like, oh, "What do you do? No, you can't drink, you know, whatever." But then, like, "Oh my God, they're using like there's that there's that it's stigma on. around different on. drugs and the way that we treat that." And I think, I think that also plays a part there. 
I mean, I think the thing that, and I, I will wrap it up because I know we're running late, we need to get to the deep dive, but I think the thing that's frustrating the most is that all evidence is pointing to youth vaping being overall beneficial for public health. You know, there's, there's um, kids started vaping, kids smoking went down. Um, that adults started vaping, adult smoking went down. They agree that adult smoking, people who smoke, should that if they switch 100% to vaping, that is good for public health. The FDA even said that. So why is it that youth smoking switching to vaping isn't good for public health? I mean, there's there's no evidence of brain damage. There's no evidence of a gateway. Um, there's no evidence of kids who aren't already smoking or already have the, what is that called? Combined or the, I always mess this up that risk, that uh, cor corresponding, the corresponding risk that they're, they're, they're already likely to smoke. And so when they look at the gateway studies, they keep coming back saying, well, you know, yeah, these kids who are vaping sometimes go on to smoking, but that's probably because they would have gone on smoking without the vaping. You know, they would have just skipped straight to smoking, you know. And so every evidence we have is that, all of this is doing for youth is leading them to less risk. If they vape, they have less risk because the kids who are vaping are largely already smoking. The kids are not continuing on to vaping because if you watch the numbers, it drops down at 18 to 24 from that huge number from, you know, for high school seniors that they love to use. Well, then you go into 18 to 24 and it drops way down. So those seniors clearly aren't going on to keep vaping. And daily vaping is so low. It just everything shows that, you know, it, it's good for public health for smoking teens to not become smoking adults. And they admit that most people who smoke as adults started as teens. So everything says that it's so then they but they say, you know, prove it that. So uh, I give I, 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 I will <laughs> I, I will end this on a book recommendation uh, for anybody who I think wants some more context on this. Um, when we start talking about numbers, my eyes glaze over. So I think in, if you have a book in front of you that, that contextualizes things, uh, it's probably pretty good. Um, there's a book out there called Outgrowing Addiction. The author is Stanton Peel. Uh, and one of the things that I, I that that I didn't know um, was that uh, as far as substance use goes, uh, young people actually have a remarkably high probability of outgrowing substance use. Uh, mm -hmm. And for smoking or nicotine use, it's like 87%. Uh, mm -hmm. And then you get into the more less accessible, more psychoactive drugs, um, you know, cocaine and heroin, you get up into the 90s uh, as far as, you know, young people just getting over it now growing. It's a phase yeah. kind of by the time they get out of high school. So, um, and of course, you know, what we know is that most of the young people who are using vapor products are doing so on a you know a infrequent basis as experimentation uh, and these are not kids that are going to grow up to to suck down two packs of marlboros a day um so anyway and the, I the majority the of youth in general don't use yes. any, I, mean, I just want to clarify product, period yeah, i just so. want to clarify nobody's saying that kids who aren't smoking or going to smoke should start vaping. Nobody yeah. is saying we want to see kids vaping. Um, that, that's not what we're saying. What we're saying is these are high risk kids who are already likely to smoke. And it's been proven that they're the ones who are vaping and the other kids, 
having at least one or two puffs in the last 30 days. And I believe that Jacob talked about that in the article. Was it that article? I'm not sure. But just how ridiculous this whole current vaping thing is, is the last 30 days they had at least, you know, and but most of them had one or two puffs. And, and that's what a lot of these kids did. And even if you look at it, those charts that I showed in my take, if you go look at that, the numbers of people who tried smoking versus the numbers who became daily smokers are hugely different. You're talking about 450,000 for the tried smoking, you know, initiation, but then it drops down to like 109. So like a quarter of the people who had tried it, which is around the 20% number, you know, um, went on to become daily, you know, daily smokers. So kids trying something doesn't mean that they're addicted to it and stuff like that. So again, I'm not saying that, oh yeah, let's go ahead and let all kids vape. Like it's drinking flavored water. That's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying it's a generally a reduction. It's a harm reduction. If, if, if switching from smoking to vaping or never starting smoking because of vaping is good for public health, then you can't ignore that when you're looking at these studies that companies are putting in or that they don't have the studies because they can't prove that because we haven't proven that these teens um, vaping who would have already smoked is bad for public health, you know. So, but I'm de but just to clarify, I'm not saying that. Oh yeah, vaping's just fine, and I. That's not at all what I'm it's saying. It's also illegal for use to exactly purchase. Let's uh, let's let's uh, enforce the laws we already have. So, anyways, was that still our take? We haven't even no, gotten no, we got we got sufficiently yet. sufficiently off topic there, but yeah. um, I'm ready for the next. Let's go. Let's, to the next. let's, let's reel this topic. back in, and let's get into uh, let's get into this week's deep dive. What do you say? Are you ready? Roll that beautiful bean foot. All right, this week's deep dive. What do we have going on, and how deep are we diving? Should I get my scuba gear on? You know, right? I well, think we've I all been kind of touching on it, but yeah, I mean, it, it's just it's going to be the theme. My right? heart breaks for the tank the second I see this image every time. Do you know how many times I used to? Okay, real quick before we dive into this, when I first started uh, vaping, I used to set my. I had a little stick mod. And I used to set it on my lap when I would drive. And every time I would get up and get out of my car and I would forget it was there and it would just fly out across the parking lot. The glass would shatter. Oh, oh it was terrible. I don't miss those days. I've learned. But that image happened to me on a weekly basis when I first started vaping. I had, a, I had one crack, but I have not had one without a band ever since. I used since. to break them all the time. The vape shop up the street started stocking extra Aspire glasses. <laughs> My husband used to I break a few of them so too. Much. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> Anyways, all right, go ahead. Let's go all on. Right. We're already at an hour and a half, so. <laughs> well, I, you know. going to yell so, at us. So the, the, the purpose of this post was obviously, I think, to get out in front of some of the, the confusion and perhaps rumors that are circulating about, um, you know, marketing order denials, um, uh, refusal to file, refuse to file orders, um, all of these things. And, and I, I suspect, you know, we, we actually saw um, some comments, you know, there, life is going on, right? And so there are people today, I think someone uh, had, had posted in the chat, um, I'm trying to make sure, was it, was it Earn? 
Um, yeah. So, you know, Earn just had uh, a, a few people come into their shop today uh, and, and first time, first time vapors. Uh, and so there are plenty of people out there who are just finding out about all of this stuff. Um, there are people, I think even a couple of weeks ago, someone was talking about how they were they were opening a vape shop. Um, so uh, there are certainly plenty of people out there who don't understand why vaping is getting the ban hammer. Um, it's not a ban hammer. Um, or maybe in their maybe in their state, they don't understand why they're looking at a ban hammer or taxes or all these heavy handed regulations. Uh, and so this is is really intended for um, for for those folks. And I think there's some other questions that we get into um, down the line here and some clarifying things. I've seen a lot of people talking about, you know, FDA approved cigarettes and all this stuff. FDA doesn't approve cigarettes. FDA has never approved cigarettes. Um, if, you know, FDA approval is for drugs, uh, tobacco products get what are called market authorizations, uh, and they are not, uh, set in stone by the way. Uh, so for any of the, the antis out there who might be clutching their pearls, just remember FDA can revoke market authorizations or MRTP orders, um, at, at any time it's, it's, uh, that's just how it works. Um, so. Uh, which is another thing that I think complicates issues for smaller manufacturers. I think they need to be able to demonstrate that they can conduct post-market surveillance, um, which I'm sure has its own costs. Um, so anyway, um, we have this, uh, you know, big, long blog post that we worked on last night uh, to, to hopefully answer some of the questions. I actually kind of want to start um, for myself, and then I'll kick it over to you guys for whichever way you want to go with this. Um, but I, I think I, I, I probably need to, um, I'm going to do this at, at my own peril here. Um, one of the things that we've, we've done in the past, uh, and this was in response to the lung injury uh, hysteria, um, was I, I think it's really important for us to speak to people who are losing access to these products. In, in the case of the lung injuries, maybe it was people who had lost confidence in the products. Um, and, and I think really a very important message right now is don't go back to smoking. Um, first of all, there are still going to be vapor products on the market. We just went through the whole synthetic nicotine thing. Um, and so you, depending on where you live, you are likely to, to find synthetic nicotine vapor products either in your vape shop um, and perhaps you can order them online. I don't know. Um, uh, so that's, I think for a lot of people, that's, that's a, a good sort of first choice is try to try to find those products. Um, on the other hand, for folks that are living in states where um, they are aggressively going after uh, synthetic nicotine and other alternative nicotine products, um, consider your options that, that you may have um, uh, a bad opinion about because of all of the misinformation around it. Um, but smokeless tobacco is certainly uh, an option if you're thinking of harm reduction. If your choice is between going back to smoking or choosing a different smoke-free product, uh, smokeless tobacco is absolutely a fair choice. Um, it's, I, I, don't, I don't like dip. Um, so I don't really use it. It's messy. doesn't make me feel good. Um, but in terms of risk, it is orders of magnitude less harmful than smoking. In fact, a lot of the information that we, um, or a lot of the data that was used to support the low risk of vaping was based off of 
smokeless tobacco and Swedish snus um, because there's no, there's no smoking. Uh, and so the risks are likely to be similar. Uh, and also, of course, and Brad Roddy was a great resource for figuring out, you know, getting some context behind the research that's gone into misinforming people about smokeless tobacco, which all of this, of course, started, I believe, sort of in the 80s. Um, and, uh, and, and so those, those are, are viable harm reduction options uh, that I encourage people to, to find. You can still get snus and smokeless tobacco shipped to your house. Uh, it is age-gated. I mean, you, you, it is a uh, signature on delivery, um, which recently has just been telling the guy my last name. Um, but uh, it, it is possible UPS will ship smokeless tobacco to your to your house. Um, and there are shipping costs involved, but add it all up and it's still cheaper than smoking and not nearly as risky. Um, orders of magnitude less harmful. The other thing uh, that we did include in this here is uh, DIYing. Um, for those who are brand new to the vapor space, um, DIYing is how this all started. People were not satisfied with the products that were coming in from overseas, and so they took them apart, put them back together again in a way that satisfied them, which included adding flavors, um, which again, I will just say it so everybody can burn it into their brains. The timeline does not fit the narrative. You and I are the ones that added flavors. Well, I mean, I didn't start an e-liquid company, but people like you and I who are enthusiastic about the products and use them to quit smoking are the folks who added the flavors because why, why suck on something that doesn't taste good uh, when you can add all kinds of fun and wonderful flavors? So um, I, I just, I just want to put that out there because I know that people are panicking right now. I, I really do hope that you can find the synthetic nicotine options that are going to be out there. Um, but if you can't, um, you know, please think a little bit outside the box, challenge your own notions of what you've heard about some other tobacco products. Um, and, and you may find that these products work for you. I know that oral tobacco products do not replace a lot of the, 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 the sensation of, of, of vaping or smoking. Um, I, I don't vape anymore, but I do miss the inhale, exhale. I'm right there with you. And I would go head to head with I, probably just about anybody in chat and say, I vape higher nicotine than all of you. Um, I was uh, I, I, I added, you know, nicotine. I would take a bottle of like 18 or 24 milligram, whatever is the highest that you can buy at a vape shop and divide it up and then fill it the rest of the way with uh, 100 milligram nicotine liquid to make it something like, you know, anywhere from 36 to 50 milligrams. Uh, Freebase nicotine, not nicotine. <clears throat> And I would vape that on uh, a, a, a rebuildable tank subohm. So I'm not. Yeah, I, have a, I have a buddy in the UK that drips 48 milligram there on like a go. dual coil RDA. <laughs> yeah. And I'm just like, more power to you, man. <laughs> you know. If if you like the reckless throat hit and the burn in your lungs and just that little note that's like, oh yeah, you're getting it. Um, yeah. That's. Philip That's is saying your challenge accepted. Alex. So, so, so trust me. Yeah, I, I'm not going to endorse that for for anybody. Uh, and don't come yelling at me, telling that I put your life in danger or some crap. You've been warned. Um, <laughs> this is how I vape, and I only offer that up. I don't, I'm not trying to look like a tough guy. I just offer that up to say that I do absolutely understand people who who need that sensation of inhaling and exhaling. And I don't want to. I, I don't want to suggest in any way that you know snooze is going to completely replace that for you. Um, my my take on this is that as I moved away from cigarettes 
and as vaping became more of a thing for me, my relationship with nicotine changed. And I've, I've, I've always felt like I've, I've had more control over my relationship with nicotine. And I think it was vaping that allowed me to make this transition to a smokeless product. Um, and now it's my, how I use snooze is different than how I used to smoke. And, and I, I just feel better for it. And, and I just, if my story can help somebody out, that's why I put it out there. Um, but I, I'm not, I'm not here saying that like, oh, this is a panacea and it's totally going to fix your stuff. Um, so anyway, with that said, I'm sure that you guys have some other things to say about, you know, what we've written here or perhaps some other questions that we didn't address. I do want to say really quick that, that your whole story is just kind of a testament to why all of these products in this category, smoke-free products, snooze, pouches, vaping, all of this is so necessary. Like there's some, like there's different needs that meet everyone. Um, I use nicotine pouches and we've talked about this in, in the past here. I use nicotine pouches where and when I can't vape. Um, they satisfy me for a time. Uh, they get me through those nicotine cravings. If I'm working somewhere, if I'm inside somewhere for a long time, uh, I can throw a pouch in. I'm good. I don't have that nicotine craving. But for me, it is very much, it's cool if we just keep, we don't have to show me for the rest of the show. This is totally cool. I get to hide. Now. Um, but for me, it's it's very much the other sensory issues, you know, the other not issues, but the other sensory components to to inhaling, exhaling, the visual stimulus, uh, the hand to mouth, the oral fixation, all of those things. Um, so there's going to be a lot of people, I'm sure, out there that are like me, where those products aren't necessarily going to always. Right. They're not always going to uh work or you're not going to be able to fully transition you know i'm not somebody who would be able to who would be satisfied fully transitioning over to uh, an oral nicotine product um but i'm more than capable of using them in situations where i i, I can't vape for me though it's like the minute that i get back to where i can vape i'm having a vape you know so i did i just sure they're all they're all they're tools in the toolbox that's how that's kind of mm -hmm. how they they that's where they all belong in the same that same harm reduction toolbox they're all viable options whether it's situational or full replacement or you use them in a combination like i do um they're all tools in that toolbox to move us away from smoking combustible cigarettes or combustible tobacco in general yeah i, I just i held up my my box i have a box of coffee flavored on um, I don't know what the milligram. Those coffee flavored ons to me taste like like instant coffee when you like go camping and you make like mm. instant coffee. That's what that tastes like to that's, me. That's delightful. But I, I have a little comment? shout out to little shout out to Jennifer Winstead who yeah. <laughs> um, DIY'd me some uh, some e liquid that I, I didn't get all the way through, but it was delicious. Yeah. So, thank you, Jennifer. <laughs> now my husband. I mean, I've, I've told the story. Anybody's watched the show knows that my husband use snooze and because vaping alone didn't do it for him uh just something missing from it so he actually still uses snooze at work and then same thing as soon as he gets home he wants to vape <laughs> you know he wants that yeah that's that hand to mouth thing i'm you know i i don't know what i'm gonna do if i could if i couldn't get my liquid i mean we put a big chunk of our stimulus towards stocking up <laughs> yeah um over the last and 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 the company we buy from is still is still mailing as of last week, um, and and I did also stock up on some DIY stuff which I've never done DIY, but I can't see trying to use a pouch or snooze or anything, 
And, you know, if that's gone, I think I probably will just try to quit and hope that I just don't eat myself back to 215 pounds again. Um, Cause you know, my mom quit smoking and that she switched to food and she, you mm. know, she was morbidly obese. So I could see that easily happening. Um, yeah. So, so yeah, there's, there are a lot of options out there. And I was, you know, one of the reasons why I wanted to, to have this page made and I kind of, <laughs> I feel bad because I kind of forced Danielle and Alex that put them to work because I'm like, I want to do this page and all these people, you know, because I'm the I'm the social media person. So I'm seeing all these people saying this and that and the other thing and a lot of um, a lot of stuff coming out that just weren't right. And I said, you know, we I know this is industry, but we have members who need answers and they were like yeah 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 you know so i'm like i'm gonna do a rough draft and i don't think they knew what i was gonna throw at them <laughs> and i and at my rough draft i just i spew kind of like i talk during these things during these uh live shows and uh poor alex he went through and just did a beautiful job editing my my just blah um into something cohesive that made sense and and didn't step on too many toes um and then danielle made it all beautiful uh but uh, that, that was one of the reasons why I wanted to, to do that, because a lot of people had questions. And, but one thing that I do kind of, I, when I, we were just talking with this big circle coming all the way back around, um, was that I had this whole section on what to do if you can't get your favorite vapor products anywhere. And Alex just went, slash, 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 slash. <laughs> it just edited me down. And, you know, nope, you know, we, we can't recommend anything. You know, so I'm kind of glad we're talking about this today. But uh, yeah, yeah that's my well, big thing is I wanted to give our consumers, because we are a consumer group, and I wanted to be able to give consumers answers. And we wanted to, too. And Alex did, you know, we all did. I mean, I'm just saying that I'm just the one that got, that, that threw it out there. Um, but uh, yeah, so I think that's one big thing is for consumers like, how am I going to get my liquid? What do I do now? What are, you know, what, what are our options going to be? And I think the big thing, like Alex said, is it's not going to just, the faucet's not going to turn off. There is going to be some people putting out menthol and tobacco. And even if you make tobacco flavor, if they just put like a really light tobacco, I mean, we were doing back in the day, so many messing around, messing around with DIY and adding flavors and doing all this kind of stuff. Go to, to e-cigaretteform.com and you'll see a lot of DIY stuff there that you can use basic e-liquid. It doesn't mean you have to be wearing a hazmat suit and using pure nicotine that, you know, burns your skin. There's a lot of ways to do this without, you know, putting yourself in danger. Put it the that nicotine way. you buy for, for mixing isn't and it's not, no, I, 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 have, <laughs> no. I have bugs of it in my freezer yeah. right now, but yeah, it's, it's still not diluted, like the, it's still in suspended in PG or VG for, yeah, it's for our, people, it's uh, you know, DIY can feel really intimidating. Uh, I've dabbled in the world of DIY. Um, and at first it was really, really intimidating. Uh, and it can be cost intimidating. Uh, people are worried you're going to spend all this money on on flavors and things and you're not going to be successful. But I just want to reassure people out there. There are folks uh, like Jen uh, here who have been DIYing for a really long time and they're an excellent source of knowledge. Uh, people on YouTube that do shows, uh, weekly stuff. There are communities, entire communities built around DIYing. Um, and there are there are even simple ways to do it. I still like half DIY. Uh, I get flavor shots. They're already pre-mixed flavor uh, concentrates uh, that are not like single flavors. They're like, you know, 
multiple flavors kind of put together into a recipe pre-made. And then I just mix my VG, my PG, my nicotine because I, I mouth to lung 10 milligram, which is uh, just an odd number that you don't, you don't buy anywhere. Like it's like three, six, nine, 12. Uh, yeah. you know? um, and I really like 10 milligrams. So that's what I do. And I get pre-mixed flavor kind of shots. Um, I still have to measure out, you know, you know, levels and stuff, but that's how, that's kind of my version of DIY. Uh, but there are, there are so many resources out there for folks who, who are feeling intimidated about DIYing. Uh, so if you're curious about it, please, uh, you know, head on to social media, head into, if you're in any vaping groups, things like that, ask around, get into some of those, those real specific DIY communities. Um, because there are incredibly helpful people out there that will make that whole situation feel a lot less intimidating. There was one thing that came up earlier, uh, which I did not put, and now I can't find it. It was somebody mentioned we were, when we were talking before about how somebody said they won't approve any, um, any flavors because apparently somebody had is telling people that they won't, that FDA won't approve any flavors because if they do that, then they're establishing substan um, substantial equivalence. Am I saying that right? Um, and this actually was a topic that came up in the Kassad chat. Uh, was it yesterday or the day before about that's not necessarily true? And I, I'm sorry, I can't find it. I don't know where he put it, but he said, he said somebody's telling people that uh, the FDA won't approve any flavors because that would be, essentially because that would be establishing Step, but it doesn't work that way. Um, yeah, I, I we're could, hearing that that you it had substantial equivalence only qualifies for products that were on before 2007, February 15, 2007. Um, but I don't know if that's well, necessarily true either. So we're kind of yeah. like, no, so I in the if I remember, like substantial equivalency on the drug side is, I think, how actually a lot of you know new medications kind mm -hmm. of. Um, are, are introduced or approved. Um, and it, there's no, there's no grandfather date or predicate date associated with that. It's just, yeah. I think it's a, it's a relatively efficient way for companies to do their building on, you know, the previous drug and they found some new uses for it or improved it slightly, something like that. Um, but on the tobacco side, uh, you know, my understanding is substantial equivalency is like, practically identical um and uh so it, it going through se is i think difficult on, in its own right um i think uh but it, you know it's it's i don't know that it's so much a substantial equivalency issue but i think there you know the, the discussion was went into bridging um so you, you can use research that may have been associated with a different product uh, but if your your product is substantially equivalent to that in terms of perhaps flavor uh, or design or something like that, you can, instead of having to go through and do all of your studies, uh, you may be able to bridge to something that that has already been submitted. Um, I, I don't know. But, uh, you know, another thing that, that we've sort of stated in here, uh, and this is me just sort of living in that pie in the sky kind of world is um, that sounds an awful lot like FDA uh, shirking their 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 mandate. Their mandate is to review the science, uh, and so if, if 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 this was something, if this was legitimate that they were just denying flavors because they don't want to deal with it in the future, well, that's not science. 
Uh, and I, I don't exactly know how to take that to Congress and say, hey, you know, this is sort of a dereliction of duty here. Um, FDA isn't being a science organization anymore, um, which I'm sure, you know, there are certainly a range of opinions about whether or not FDA and CDC are acting as political organizations or not. Um, but still, you know, the law is the law. We have laws. If, if we're not going to follow them, then what's the point? Um, so I, I, it, if that's true, I hope that somebody can uncover that and add some, some, you know, some concreteness to that. Um, I don't know if there's a lawsuit that would be involved. I don't know how you, you, you hold the agency's feet to the fire on something like that. Um, but they are first and foremost, a science organization. I do, you know, the agency itself, I, I am always going to question and, and be skeptical of, but the people who, who make up the agency, um, I think are, are, I think there are a lot of very genuine and dedicated people who, who want to follow the science and want to do what's best in the interest of public health. Uh, and so I, I, maybe my faith is misplaced, but I, I do ultimately think, you know, first of all, the truth will out and people, people are, I think at heart good and, and want to see the best for, for society. So. And the thing is with the substantial equivalence, I remember when they had the first like the first thing that they rejected ever, the FDA. <clears throat> I believe it was rolling papers, hmm. if I remember correctly. And they actually rejected it because something was not right with the label. And we were all like, it's rolling papers. You know, I mean, it, it, it was crazy. And so, so this idea that, okay, well, if my, uh, what is mine? Berry melon citrus three milligram gets approved that another company's mocha chocolate caramel is going to in six milligrams going to get approved. I mean, it's just not, it's, it's not that flavors will beget flavors. You can't substantiate. <clears throat> I mean, if they were that picky about wrapping tobacco, you know, cigarette wrappers, what am I, I'm not saying that right. Wrapping papers, rolling papers, rolling papers, rolling thank papers. you. Um, I'm a wrapping paper, making a gift. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, Still but if they're tobacco use only, <laughs> but you know, so they're making if they're making it that difficult for rolling papers, you think they're really going to just say, "Oh yeah, well we approve this flavor, so now all the other flavors you have substantial equivalency." It's not going to be that easy. Now yeah. I don't understand what I believe it was like Greg and some other people possibly, but I thought that the a lot of the board were discussing it in the chat in the Skype chat, and they were saying, "Yeah, that's right. It's it's." It has to have been on the market for substantial equivalency before 2007. That didn't sound right to me because I, I thought, like you mentioned, that with drugs, as long as one's already been approved, if you're pretty much doing the same thing, like with generics, that's what they do for generics, that you're essentially approved too. But it has to be almost exactly the same thing. Well, sure. A generic drug well, is essentially like the same Right. Same drug. But with, but with, with products, you're looking at or... a lot of differences because every flavoring is different. Are you using uh, flavor art? Are you using Loran? Are you making your own flavors? You know, just because an apple, this is apple flavored and that's apple flavored, they could be have different chemicals making up that apple flavoring. Some or could have different oil. aromatics that make up. Yeah, or some could have be an oil based, an apple oil based. God, please don't. It, don't use the oil. oil based, do not use it. Food. But I'm just saying that that's an example of that. One company is using an oil based apple extract and the other one's using a PG or VG based one. Oh. Those are very different, even though they're both just three milligram apple e-liquids. So, so substantial equivalence is a lot more complicated than it seems. Is where I was yeah. 
So just right. really quick, going into the, the oil, PG, and all that, those are all just the carrier liquids. Uh, you could essentially have the exact same Apple aromatic suspended in oil or suspended in PG or VG. Uh, mm -hmm. Please, everybody out there, don't use anything. Ever. Yeah. Anything with oil. Yeah. Uh, a big, real quick indicator is if you have oil floating to the surface of your mixed bottle of e-liquid, <laughs> you got the wrong, you got the wrong flavoring. Uh, but yeah, you could absolutely have the same the same apples suspended in either one. Right. Yeah. So that's that's what I'm just saying is that so first it's not going to be so. But that's also the same reason why because some people were asking, and this is another reason why I'd thought about putting this facts thing out was that people were saying, well, um, now that they've banned all these, then they haven't technically banned them. They just didn't didn't allow them because uh, <laughs> they hadn't none of this stuff has been allowed technically for the past how many years um as soon as since they deemed in 2016 but it retrospectively went back um but they they said if now that these have all been like unapproved or whatever banned because they have flavors does that mean everything else is not going to get approved was one question and the other part was well everything that's already been approved have to come off the market um, and that's kind of a trick question because nothing's been approved. Yet. <laughs> so I was like, well, you know, nothing's been approved. So you can't like that. that that's a non-starter, but, yeah. but no, the, these companies just didn't have the right kind of science. They didn't put the right, they didn't give the information that the FDA was demanding. And there might be some bigger companies who will be able to somehow prove this. Maybe they'll use some of this, the points that I've made about, vaping not being an actual threat to youth or something in the way that it's being claimed and it is better for overall public health. They might have some trick up their sleeve. Unfortunately, you might be vaping a mango jewel pod, but you know, it's hey, <laughs> but a lot of people love those mango yeah, jewel pods. Jewel, Got them to quit smoking. One of the only sources only, of joy that oh gosh, what's her name? Oh Cat. yeah, yeah, yeah. Cat Something uh, is ever she'll never experience again. Yeah, I don't know. I'll never I get my mango jupot ever again. On, you know, the bipartisan article. Yeah, she's like Republicans and Democrats can't agree on anything except for the fact that I can never have a jewel, a mango jewel pot. Yeah. yeah. So just to just to just to I think um, kick the the fire ant nest here a little harder. Um, you know, when you were talking about what has FDA authorized, um, just to be clear. Mm -hmm. Um, FDA authorized a new combustible cigarette before they are granting authorization to a vapor product. Um, people may not know that the, um, it's like Moonlight and something other, it's some dumb name. Um, 22nd, yeah, 22nd Century is a, is a tobacco company and they are making very low nicotine content cigarettes. Uh, and so that was granted market, market authorization. However, uh, 22nd Century, I believe, said in a press release that they don't intend to market their cigarettes until they get a modified risk order. Um, and uh, they claim that they are making a modified exposure claim, uh, but they are, in fact, making a modified risk claim. So I, I don't know that that's got to be solely on the basis of like the v the idea behind VLN is uh, to to basically essentially null out any dependence so like you yeah. you could smoke these and have yourself a great day or whatever but you're not gonna be jonesing for another one after uh so i guess that's that's the whole modified but like is that is it you're you're looking at no. like 
you're looking at the potential of risk or the potential of risk down the road, not like the actual risk of using because it's still a combustible tobacco product. I had you're still lighting it on fire and inhaling it. It still has the same level of risk oh, as yeah. a full nicotine yeah. cigarette. But it's, the, it's the potential for risk down the road because we've culled the, the dependence factor. But I had a big debate with, with one of the investors or whatever in this company. They're all over the place saying, oh, our, we're, we're even best. And they, 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 they actually say, well, we're going to push people to vaping. That's what I, they've tried to claim. You know, it's like not if they keep Ooh, banning the, us. The, the Wall Street bros or the company? The product. Because people won't want to smoke because they won't get their nicotine, so they'll go to vaping to get their nicotine. <laughs> why that do was... I need to buy your stupid cigarette to get to that point? I would just go buy. I would just go buy. Here's the thing, though. They also admit it has nothing to do with getting people to quit. They're a lost cause. The whole. Oh yeah. The whole thing is about when youth use them, which now they're admitting youth are going to use them. That they won't become addicted because the nicotine levels are so low. Yeah. But it does nothing. They admit it does nothing. What happens when you go, million this sucks, people. this brand is terrible, I'm going to go find a way to get the other brand that I know is... The whole point is, is that they want... The like none of these people have ever been teenagers. <laughs> the whole point is, is that is that the, the ants want FDA to make all cigarettes have to do this. Right. And the FDA has signaled that it might want to do that. Um, to put, bring the, and there was something else too, but it said somebody mentioned in the comments about zero nicotine and what's going on with that for, I think they were talking about was smoking, was it? Or were they talking about zero nicotine vaping? I, no, I don't remember. But the, the, the FDA is literally prohibited from banning cigarettes. It's prohibited from requiring a prescription for cigarettes or tobacco. And it's prohibited from forcing cigarette companies to reduce their nicotine levels to zero, but they're not a, prohibited from putting it to 0 0.01, you know? So that's what they're trying to do. But again, it's all about the children. It has nothing to do with saving millions of adult lives. It's all about the children and not having them smoke, but they don't think yeah. about, well, what are these kids going to do instead of smoking? Because they have that, Risk factor. Yeah, it's not there. I'd, I'd like to circle back to my my take from the previous segment and say <laughs> these are not unintended consequences. Someone mm. is making the conscious decision to hang smokers out to dry and focus all of this effort on kids. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. All um, right. Are, yeah, do, I don't think there was are we are we content with wrapping up that deep dive today? I yeah, am I officially just broken through the two hour mark. So but yeah, well, I, 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 had questions as I was going to ask if in the chat. Oh, so you were questions. I was going to ask chat. if anybody in the chat has questions. Post them now because um, that's why we're doing this. We want to be able to answer that. You know, that's why we created this page. It was to help answer your questions. And I don't. know, Maybe our page did that good of a job, and nobody has any more questions. But I find that hard to believe. Up. Oh, somebody says they have a question. King, King Dobby. There you go. I, don't... I have a question. Okay. What's it's more question? of a statement. <laughs> right? 
I mean, there was one that says, uh, doesn't the USA call them nicotine inhaling products? No, they call them electronic nicotine delivery devices or ENDS. Yeah, no, I, and I, I, I do want to clarify, the USA doesn't call them nicotine, electronic nicotine delivery products. Uh, our government calls them our that. Government, yeah. Our anti-substance loving, our, our pro-prohibition uh, researchers and, and tobacco control community calls it, but America America calls them vapor products, vapes, yeah, vape pens, vapes. whatever, your e-cigarette. So Personal what do you electronic inhalation gonna... systems. <laughs> I yeah. knew somebody was going to say that one. <laughs> I knew somebody was. Uh, Chris says, how quickly do you think that the TFN tobacco-free nicotine, and I believe we're talking about synthetic nicotine in this at, in this point, will be a vile option for small businesses? Um we're consumer group. We really don't know that. <laughs> um, but I uh, say I'm I'm nowhere near comfortable some, enough trying to make a prediction there. But it, it'll be somebody... shorter for states and local governments yeah. than it is for federal. Well, no, it would be a viable option. So they're asking, you know, how soon yeah. people will be actually selling the um, synthetic nicotine. I'm, I'm, I'm not able to confirm with any certainty that people are actually using tobacco-free nicotine or synthetic nicotine. Actually, Wayne over at DIY or Die um, has a good video or a, a good write-up on the differences between synthetic nicotine and tobacco-free nicotine. They're two different things. Um, or I think you talked about that too, Logan. I, my brain is just marshmallow at this point. It's Saturday, COVID. Um, but... Um, so I, I, I can't really confirm that companies are actually using these products um, to make their e-liquids, but um, it sounds some, some like some are. Uh, it's, a, it's a cost thing, though, right? Like TFN yeah. uh, or synthetic, it's it's cost prohibitive for companies. So there aren't very many that there are e-liquid companies that do use TFN out there because there are manufacturers and companies that, you know, kind of run with the idea of like fully remove yourself away from tobacco. And that's kind of the idea the idea, yeah. but it's it's cost prohibitive. Um, but I'm, I'm positive that that the further we move down this timeline, there's going to be more companies using them. So from, from what I understand, I'll, I'll just reference the the write up from from Wayne at DIY or die again. Um, it, it is it is more expensive, uh, but it doesn't really price you out. So um, it, it, it's, uh, it's still competitive. It's still cheaper than buying cigarettes in many mm -hmm. places. Uh, and, um, I, I think the difference between TFN and synthetic is going to be, I think in the potency, um, uh, that was something that he discussed there. So, um, as far as I know, I, I, and I'm speculating here because I don't have any insider knowledge. Um, it is immediately viable and, yeah. and we will see this shift immediate today yesterday um well Sorry. i and i want to note that i believe puff bar claims that they're already doing it and then right. and as far as the price i did see one company say that they're they put an announcement that they are switching and the amount that they were raising their prices for the higher nicotine they were leaving their i think three milligram at the same price and they were only increasing it for the higher milligrams it sounded like and it wasn't a lot i mean it was like maybe a buck or something i mean it overall it really wasn't a lot but keep in mind too that this this could just be uh, and then it was one more thing there are already reports that it's getting really hard to get a hold of the synthetic nicotine right and i believe that alex uh, sure there's only so many labs that yeah, are alex it. As, as that demand increases from manufacturers you know it's it's going to be it's going to be one of those things where it's going to ebb and flow right like you're going to see 
uh, the available the availability of it drop while that demand increases until you get to the point where they can increase supply to meet it. It'll be like toilet paper and COVID. And then by then FDA will ban it or whatever anyway. So, but yeah, so, and then, but finally, the last thing I was going to say is that, um, you know, it, it, the States could come after it real quick. You know, Alabama's already um, requires any product sold with synthetic nicotine uh, have to have FDA approval. So that's one state down. So hopefully we won't see too many more of those. Yeah. I was just going to put that up there. This was King Dobby's Moe's question. What do you think is eventually going to happen? I own three shops full of flavored e-juice. Um, well, uh, there's, there's a comment below that. Um, and it sounds like he has a diverse offering of products. So, um, first of all, I, nothing that we are talking about here is to be considered business or legal advice. Yeah. Um, so I, you know, I'll, I'll, that having been said, I think eventually down the line, the truth is going to prevail. Um, I don't know, uh, how satisfying that's going to feel after going through years of watching people go back to smoking, seeing small business owners like yourself, um, taking a financial hit or being thrown under the bus. Um, I, 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 I just, I think we're in for, I think we're in for a lot of pain. I, I think a lot of us, um, I think a lot of people out there have been, um, going through the range of emotions from frustration to depression to just absolute anger at what's going on. Um, so I, I, you know, I think the fact that you're selling other products is, is a good business decision. Be, be diversified. Um, because I, I, I don't know, and I don't know where you live. I don't, I, you don't have to tell me. Um, but you know, I think a lot of this as Kristen just talked about, as we talked about earlier, a lot of it depends on where you live. The FDA is going to do what the FDA is going to do. They're going to try to ban menthol. And we, we address this in our, uh, our, our statement about menthol, the menthol ban, our position statement about it. Um, but it, ultimately it's going to fall on states and municipalities to enforce that. It's not the FDA. Don't listen. Don't believe that for a second. When people are out there saying like, oh, the FDA doesn't enforce on individual consumers. Cool, bro. What about the state police? What about the, you know, the DEA in your community? What about your, your local sheriff? Those are the people that are going to be enforcing the laws. Um, so, uh, again, it depends on where you live. It depends on how quickly uh, jurisdictions move against synthetic nicotine um, and um, I am still crossing my fingers, holding on hope that FDA is going to approve a flavor other than tobacco, mint, menthol, and wintergreen. But I don't know. And if you're asking, I mean, because the way he says, I have, you know, three shops full of flavored e-juice, are you asking on September 9th, what do you do with all of that? You know, we can't tell you what to do with all of that. Again, we're a consumer organization, but we can say there's probably going to be plenty of consumers who are going to want to buy it from you. I don't know if you're planning on on shutting down or whatnot. Um, you know, you might want to join some some uh, vape shop or industry groups on Facebook or whatnot and find out what they're doing. I mean, what other companies and what vape shops are doing runs the gamut from I'm dumping all my stuff, I'm selling it to another vape shop that's decided it's staying open, I'm getting out, or I'm marking everything down and just selling off my, I mean, is the FDA going to show up on September 10th and fine you for having your vape shop still open? Possibly. It's possible. Yeah. But possibly not. So, I mean, that's a risk that 
you'd have to take. And we're not going to tell you that that's what you should do for no, in, in any way, you know, but I'm just saying you want to, you want to talk to consumer or to manufacturing groups and fellow manufacturers and vape shops about that. We're not the people to talk to you about that because we're the ones who are trying to figure out what to do for consumers, you know? Yeah. I'm sorry, I can't answer that better. <laughs> uh, the two two things that, that you 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 uh, I think touched on. Um, first of all, uh, I think right now FDA's priority is going to be against manufacturers, um, and so we've already heard there was I think Lance Churchill tweeted something up about someone in the industry they know uh, they got their marketing denial order uh, you know on this day, and then like three to six days later, an FDA inspector showed up to make sure that they weren't still manufacturing. Um, and this is, you know, even before the nine nine deadline. Um, the other thing is, um, uh, I, I I don't plug, you know, I don't normally plug industry groups, but um, we are actually a member of NATO, which is the um, National Association of Tobacco Outlets. Uh, I will tell you, we're not a tobacco retailer, but uh, the reason why we joined was because they run a local issues uh, program, and that gives us access to. Um, a lot of the local stuff that we're not going to be able, we can't afford to do the tracking on that. So, um, you know, we can pay for a, a membership in order to, to get access to those conversations. Um, but since you are a tobacco retailer, I don't know that they have anything active in Georgia. Um, but um, uh, first of all, I don't think Georgia is going to be a huge threat. Uh, don't don't make business decisions based on my analysis. Um, but uh, Georgia is 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 not hasn't really been a whole lot of trouble throughout all of this. Um, but, uh, but NATO is something that you might want to look into uh, as far as being a, a, you know, part of a business association. Going back to, uh, you know, is FDA going to come kicking down doors on the 10th? You know, I, 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 I tweeted this morning out there because I've just been seeing a, a plethora of real amazing people out there you know, tweeting and putting out on social media, we will continue to help people stop smoking. We will continue to oh, sell yeah. our products regardless of FDA, regardless of what the law says, regardless of this and that and the other. And, you know, which is consumer thing. Love, I think that's but... your heroes in my book, but, but please stop posting it all over social media that you're going to break the law regardless of FDA's decisions. Uh, word of mouth is really difficult to track. Uh, and if you're one of the few people around doing this uh, and there are other that will spread very quickly and you will still have good business and you will, you know, you'll still do what. But please stop. Please stop putting it all. I don't want to see do people that. get arrested. I don't want to see people jailed for these things. I don't want to see your efforts, you know, in vain. Uh, I want to see you continue to help people stop smoking. And you can't do that when you're you're behind bars or worse. So. Yeah, I mean, uh, we see anything from people. Those, I get it, though. Post. I get it, right? Like people, yeah. it's a champion call. It's a rally cry, but, you we can't say what to do with your stock or what to do with your yeah, business at no. this point. But like I said, we've seen anything from people. They're just selling it all off and getting rid of it to people um, doing what Logan just talked about, about screw it. I'm still going to do it. So you have to decide for yourself what you want yeah, to do on just that. knowing knowing a little bit about illicit markets and endeavors the lower you can hang your head you know yeah. like <laughs> Alex, i love the gonna... rally cries out there and i'm just like you're all amazing but yeah i'm just Alex, like you, that, it doesn't take very much to go on to, to twitter and type in some key words and uh and track down some ip addresses so for people out there just just be aware 
just have some sensibility about it. Some, some awareness is all some caution maybe. Um, but yeah, yeah, definitely not business advice from us in any way. Okay. So I think Alex, have you moved on to the next question here? Do you have a list for Kenny? Yeah. Um, is? This is, Kenny's this is asking. From, yep. This is from the uh, FDA site. Uh, these are all of the companies as of uh, yesterday that had received marketing denial orders. Uh, so yeah, we're looking at about 26 companies and right down here, this I think was, was probably a surprise for a lot of people. Uh, Niquid, uh, Niquid is one of the oldest companies around. Um, Niquid was a part of AIMSA. Uh, I mean, like founding member of AIMSA, that's the American e-liquid manufacturing standards association, as if we need another organization with all kinds of letters in their name. Um, but, that soup. Uh, uh, this, you know, this was uh, this. This is a bit of a surprise uh, because this is a, a, a company that, that has been, I think, striving to sort of set a standard in, in the industry as far as quality and, um, and, and transparency and, and, and themselves working to develop standards that the, that might be that may be presented to FDA and say, hey, look, here's here's a standards based way to go about approving these products. Um, and uh, I, I know I'm probably not talking about it the best way. And and to be fair, um, you know, AMSA also took a, uh, a sort of a counter position to supporting the Cole Bishop Amendment. Um, so we found ourselves sort of on opposite sides, opposite sides of uh, the lobbying game that, you know, supporting or, or a particular piece of legislation. Um, but all in all, kind of a shocker. Um, not, not ultimate, I mean, any, any open system product to get a denial, I don't think we're, any of us are all that shocked about it. Um, but these were, again, I think the other thing that, that people, um, are sort of reiterating, it's not, I don't believe all of their applications were denied. Yeah, they have tobacco flavor, menthol flavor. Other than tobacco. Um, but, but still, um, you know, serious business when, when a company like Niquid is on that list. So. All right. Um, next question. Um, I'm trying to move us along. So let's. Yeah. <laughs> uh, they said this one's an easy one. Why is vaping not treated the same way as cigarettes if they're saying vaping is a tobacco product, a double standard? If you read our, our is, vape, is FDA banning vaping, go and look in the history. We talk about the fact of why um, vaping is considered a tobacco product instead of like a drug. But we also explain why with the that smoke, that cigarettes, anything on the market before February 15th, 20, 2007, um, was grandfathered in. And so because nothing, no vapor product was on the market in the US, being marketed in the US um, at that, before that time, cigarettes got grandfathered in and all vapor products have to go through the PMTA process. So that's that's the answer to that question. <laughs> I, I, I believe, and I think this is, this is on, this may be on our timeline, I'm not sure, but um, when FDA uh, I can't remember if it was 2016 or 2014. It might have been when in 2016 when they responded to everybody's comments on the deeming rule. Um, they noted that they found one product that was on the market pre-February 15th, 2007. So yeah, I think it was the was it like a Ruyen e-cigar or something yes. like that. Okay. And you know, it's it's sort of it, it's just it's another one of those things that I think. Uh, is, is an example of just how ill-prepared FDA was, still is, to regulate mm -hmm. these products. Um, I mean, it, it's just a matter of fact kind of observation, like, yes, there was a product on the market. 
And if you know if there was going to be a predicate product that someone would use as a substantial as part of, as the basis of a substantial equivalency application, um, that it does exist. But you know the the products, the industry, the community has 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 evolved since mm -hmm. 2007, obviously. And you know that that product isn't on the market anymore for a reason because it was probably very underwhelming. Um, yeah, so I, I can't really, imagine it was all that really great. Product. <laughs> all right. um, some of these questions, folks, you might want to just wait till we're over and go back and watch the replay because we did talk about this. Um, yep, I read an article saying puff bars say that they're already using synthetic nicotine. Also, Beth, and that's pretty much all we know about that because we have no idea if they really do or not. We don't um, really but know yes, they do puff bars still at this point. They do I claim. Mean. Uh, Vicky, we did talk about Alabama earlier with synthetic nicotine. Um, it is illegal there. So what you guys do, you know, again, we're a consumer agency. There's nothing we really can give you advice on. I would recommend joining some manufacturing and um, uh, store, you know, yeah. trade groups. Yeah, because they're the ones who are going to be brainstorming for stuff that you could do. Yeah with things like that. And, and again, not all of the regular products are going to be completely banned. So, I mean, don't get ahead of yourself thinking there's going to be nothing but synthetic nicotine on the market uh, products because some products might still get approved. But, you know, we don't know that. We don't have, like we said, we don't, we can't predict the future. But again, we can't really give you advice on that as far as synthetic nicotine. Yeah, I think, you know, the other thing is I, I, Again, not business advice, but perhaps just to state the obvious. And and I, I don't want, I, I I don't like giving people answers that are sort of like, well, you're just kind of screwed. Um, oh no! But, did I say that? Know, I didn't think you did that. I'm, I'm speaking <laughs> for myself. I'm, I'm speaking for myself here. I, I think you know. I I, I um, you know. First of all, you know, as 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 King Dobby or Mo uh, pointed out, there are other things that he sells. I know. I, I know for sure there are people in the vapor space, people at vape shops. They don't want to sell combustible tobacco. I'm not saying that you should, um, but in terms of you know perhaps you've got a couple of years left on your lease, um, it's 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 not an easy answer. Um, but you know, uh, thinking of of sort of rebranding your store, I actually there's a vape shop in town here that I have to go visit because um, New York has the flavor ban. Uh, but uh, they they closed down for a little bit during the the lockdowns and the pandemic, but reopened. Uh, and it is still the Plattsburgh Vapor Company. Uh, and so I'm curious as to what what he has restocked his shelves with um, and, and, you know, how much of a vape shop it actually is. Um, all of that to say, um, you know, I, I don't have a good answer for Alabama and I don't have a good answer in terms of what trade association you should join because the big national groups are, are either gone or there's not much of them left. Um, Safada is still operating. Uh, and there are a lot of people who are sort of engaged in information sharing and supporting one another. Um, so it's definitely check groups. that out. And as, as Kristen pointed out, there are Facebook groups. Um, there was, you know, the PMTA sharing information was people coming together and trying to get through the process. Um, so there, there is support out there. Uh, and I, I can almost guarantee you, you're going to get better ideas out of them than you are out of me. Um, but um, I, I just, you know, Thanks for sticking your neck out to begin with. And I'm sorry that your state sucks. Yeah. 
And pretty much, well, that answers your question too. We can't really answer your question. You know, what should you do? After, you know, wait till after ninth or not? Did you, I don't know. He came back and said, "Did you answer my question?" So I don't know if he ran off to the bathroom or something oh. but, and missed <laughs> missed our whole part that we said to, to him. Um, but yeah, there, there, there's we really can't give you advice on what to do with that. You're you're gonna have to figure it out. What if you want to just keep selling? If you want to order more, I just last week ordered a bunch of e liquid online they seem like they're not even they have nothing up on their website saying and it's a, a u.s e-liquid manufacturer and they have nothing on there saying they indicate that they're going to finalize their their yeah final rule. and so they've got nothing in there we're, so there's a lot kind of, of companies who are still selling right talk to your distributors find out what they're planning you know i mean whether or not you continue to sell after the ninth products in i don't know how many products in your store don't um are on that list that Alex just showed. If I mean, they may not even be on that list, so they may not even be ordered to stop making their, you know, their product yet. So only you can really know the answer to that. So um, I'm trying to see. Did I miss any other? Yeah, I will. And, and Mo pointed out here, um, switching over to, to selling Delta Eight um, THC. Um, again, I think that's probably a bit like the the synthetic nicotine side of things, uh, at least here in New York. Um, it's, it's legal for now, um, but uh, I, I suspect states are, are especially somewhere like Georgia, is probably going to be jumping on trying to rein that in, uh, however ill-advised that is. Um, but yeah, for some people, moving into the cannabis space is, is uh, probably going to be an option for a lot of people. Already is. Yeah. For sure. Jennifer, here's a nice way to end the show, I think. Jennifer said, thanks for all you guys do. I have the utmost respect for y'all because I did consumer advocacy for six months and burned out quick. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a thankless job and it's not 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 for the faint of heart, but we... It's we not thankless. Jennifer's sitting right here thanking us. Yeah, you're thanking us, us right now. <laughs> no, yeah, and, and I, I can't tell you how much that means to us. Every time you guys, yeah. you know give us kudos or thank us and show appreciation. You know, we are just a little grassroots thing. You guys are CASA. If you're a CASA member, you're CASA. We couldn't do this without you. Our whole, our whole basis is we, we give you the stuff that you need to go out and advocate and do the, the hard work, really you meeting with your lawmakers and calling people and sending emails and all that stuff. If you don't have a big group of people doing that, you're gonna yeah. you're not gonna be as effective. And that's why we've always said we need people to join. We need people to be we need to be able to say we've got X number of of members, you know, because the bigger we sound, the more people take us seriously, <laughs> you know, fake it till you make it type of thing. But we've got like around a quarter quarter million now, Alex, somewhere around that. But yeah. still not enough if you think of the 10 to 15 million, depending on who's talking about it, people who vape and use alternative products in this country. We definitely need a lot more of that. So get people to join. That's where we come, you know, consumer groups are only as strong as its memberships activity. I mean, Alex and I are the only paid staff. The 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 um, board of directors still is all volunteer. Danielle does all that beautiful work on the website. Uh, Logan runs the show for us and, and kind of nudges us that we got to figure out what we're doing uh, make sure you know that's all about that's all the you editing know, you know that's all the all, people that's who are running our you know all the moderators for our facebook page our groups and stuff those are all volunteers those are you those are kasa 
A lot of them are vape shop owners and stuff. They're some of the most passionate members that we have. So we always try to make sure we're not forgetting you guys that your industry too. And I wish we could do more, but we really are the, we know you're consumers as well. And so we're here for you to support you. We need you too. Um, so yeah, just, uh, Thank you for thanking us, I guess is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> but you're Kassad too. Is, so thank you. Thank all of you guys who show up every week. <laughs> I have, oh, I have Alex one has question. I, Alex. I, no, I don't have a question. I know that <laughs> that's a great place to end. And, and I'm not trying to one-up it here, but we did have one last question that I really want to answer. Where is it? Um, I missed it. From Steve Savage. Where can I order flavorings for living in New York? Um, uh, you can go to Pennsylvania or Ohio. Um, I think Vermont still is selling uh, flavored vapor products, and you can visit tribal smoke shops. Um, yes. Smoke uh, shops and reservations are not uh, necessarily subject to New York's flavor ban. In fact, I believe there was a company that moved their operation to the reservation uh, after the flavor ban was enacted. That might be a bit of a hike for you, um, but that's the answer I've got. And yeah, so I'm uh, I'm I'm someone who's very fortunate to live where I live because. We have an excellent vape shop out on the reservation about 20 minutes from me. Um, and yeah, again, uh, you know, that's tribal land. They're not beholden to the state of wherever they're in. Uh, they're beholden to the federal government. So different rules apply. Um, okay, one yeah. last question. One last question. I don't know what they're talking about. Is that the one that was on RegWatch last or who, who is sure. Tammy? I don't know I, who that is. I know that name, but I, I, so, I don't know. I thought that was the one on RegWatch, and I think I did watch it. <laughs> but I can't remember. Yeah, he yeah. says on RegWatch. Yeah, I watched it. Okay. So I guess that answered your question. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. All right. All right. All right. So, Bunch of well, good luck, everybody. Thank, thank you all you. for tuning in. Um, and I'm going to leave it to Logan to give our, our closing rundown here. Oh, okay. The spiel. Thank you. As Alex and, and Kristen and all of us, thank you uh, for being here, everybody. Thanks for tuning in today. We do truly appreciate it. Thank you guys for all the questions as well. Awesome Q&A. Uh, we normally don't have such a good Q&A at the end of a show. This was awesome. Thank you guys. Uh, thank you guys for all being here and being curious. Uh, for anybody... Uh, podcast listeners, if you're tuning in to the end of this podcast, or if you, you know, maybe you just watched the tail end of this, you just showed up and you do want to listen to the entire thing, the podcast audio version of this will be available on SoundCloud, Apple, wherever you tune in. There will be two versions available to you a full length version and also a short little, well, actually, this week, probably not even like a legislative rundown version because <laughs> we didn't really have a legislative rundown. Uh, but there will be an audio version for you all to check out. And again, if you haven't joined CASA, you're just doing it all wrong. You're doing it all wrong. You got to join now, today, right now. The second this is done, head over to CASA.org, sign up. It's absolutely free. Get all the calls to action, all the emails. Check out the blog every week that Kristen puts a lot of effort into doing. Uh, and you can check out all of Danielle's beautiful work on the website. So just go over, sign up. It's free. Do it right now like literally right this minute. Uh, other than that, everybody, I think that's where we are going to wrap things up. Uh, we will be here same time, same place next Saturday, 4.30 p.m. Eastern, 1.30 p.m. East Coast or West Coast time. Um, see, it's, been, <laughs> it's already been too long. It's already been too long. 1.30 over on the West Coast. Uh, anywhere else around the world, you're going to have to figure it out, but you're still welcome to join us. And I think, I think that's the end. That's all I've got. 
I'm done. I got to go make dinner. Thanks for all, coming, guys. All, a lot of us are going to go make dinner. Alex is definitely, Alex looks like he's ready for dinner. Anyways, much love to everybody. Stay out, stay safe out there, and, uh, and we'll see you next week.